Hey listeners, welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, the podcast that celebrates beloved American icon and bon vivant Ernest P. Worrell, as portrayed by the Emmy Award-winning Jim Barney. This is episode 5, Hey Vernon's Ernest, disc 1, There's Too Much. I am your host, Aaron, and this is my lovely co-host, David. Hi, everyone. Joining us for episode 5 is our good friend, Matt. Hey, everybody. Hey, Matt. Hi. Thanks for having me. No problem. Can you believe we're at episode five? No, I actually can't because I feel like I've done 10,000. I mean, we've kind of done 10. (laughs) Yeah. Not thousand. The extras are extra work, man, but it's all worth it. So this is the episode where we actually delve into the- Back catalog, VHS cabinet. The giant collection of insanity that is Haver and its Ernest. I was going to say, because up until now, this has already- before then it's been super sane. Yeah, this has already been a back catalog of nonsense, so. (laughs) So this- is actually pretty interesting because Haver and its Ernest was made around the same time as obviously Ernest was making Disney movies. Obviously. But it was a show on CBS. Ah, that's what I thought. Because I knew Disney had a part of that and I was like, how why was it on CBS? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. They're actually totally separate. So Disney allowed them to make the show as long as they didn't have like a linear storyline that was progressing from episode to episode. They couldn't tell long Mm, narratives. Really? Interesting. Right. So that's like part (laughs) of the Disney agreement, which explains a lot. Thinking. We wouldn't want to interfere with the long, complicated narratives <laughs> of the earnest films. We, we, we got to keep those things separate. Hey, might, might get too jumbled. They have beginning, middle, and ends. Sure. So, consequentially, Hey Vernon's Ernest was a theme show. Every episode was a different theme, and narratives never carried over from episode to episode. Right. So, it's short form, mm-hmm. just like the ads, which means that it's kind of an ad world thing. Yeah. So, Matt, I don't know how many of the Ernest ads you're familiar with, if any. Yeah, what's your history with Ernest, if uh, any? Honestly, uh, it was probably more the show, if anything. Really? Oh, interesting. But, that but I did not expect. But honestly, I I may have seen one full episode. Characters like uh, Auntie Nelda, like are familiar to me. <laughs> right. But I didn't understand what the deal was at the time as a kid. And I'm like, what is That's this? Totally and I would just watch something else. <laughs> and now that you've so, watched seven episodes, it's clear right. as day, right? Oh, no, it's comedy gold. But as <laughs> as a kid, I was like, I just didn't get it. Sure. So. This feels like a show that was on at 6 a.m. Because all of the like insano syndicated shows were always on super early. It kind of feels like it would be closer to noon. Where oh, kids that, that could be the other thing. Actually, yeah. 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 Like 11, like, 11.30? Yeah, next yeah, one territory. Yeah. Bridging the gap between the cartoons and the boring adult so- Soul Train, yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh man, NBC Soul Golf. Train. I would have loved to see Haver and its Ernest as a kid, but I didn't. I wonder how I would have turned out if I watched this show. <laughs> I would classify it as the most ADD show I've ever seen. It feels very Monty Python. There's a couple of like sketches and they don't, some of them intertwine, some of them don't. Mm-hmm. It's all very kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Stuff kind of like stops abruptly or mm-hmm. starts abruptly or is just... Out of left field. Right. But I love it. Oh, I actually yeah. think this show is great. Um, oh, yeah. It won two Emmys. One was for, of course, Outstanding Performance in a Children's Show. Well, clearly. Obviously. For the late, great Jim Varney. The other Emmy was for Outstanding Achievement in Graphics and Title Design. Yes, I love Joe those Anderson titles. To Joe Anderson and Barbara Lazinski. Yep. They are great. I want all of those titles as the desktop patterns for my computer. We're taking it disc by disc because there's so much of this show. So this is the first seven episodes. Like we said, every episode is a different theme. The first seven episodes, you've got Haver and its pets, mm-hmm. Haver and its sports, Haver and its magic, you know. Haver and, Haver and its income taxes. <laughs> that's not one of them. Maybe that's disc two. Haver, it's closed. 
But that sort of thing. But then, like, there are regular characters that you see every episode. Sure. This is basically Ad Earnest for kids. It's Ad Earnest, but he's... He's pitching, like, concepts and fun, yeah. (laughs) Well, he's a child in that every episode is, like, he's trying out a new thing. Like, in Pets, he's like, I'm going to run a pet daycare. And in sports, he's like, I'm going to be a wrestler. It's, like, it's very much a child liking of, like, trying out different occupations and different interests. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't think that there's an Edna in this universe. This is, like... No, I don't think so either. This is sort of child adult Ernest. The theme song says it's Ernest P. Worrell with a story and a moral, which I think that sums yeah. it sums it up pretty succinctly. And then they also sing some other things that I can't make out. It's the Ernest P. Worrell with a story and a moral and a big chuckle hip trip double dip super super show. You know what I mean? The premise is basically like he lives in the neighborhood. He lives next door to Vern, I think. I'm not even sure Ernest lives anywhere in this show because he's always at Vern's house. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. We don't have proof that Ernest actually has a home in this show. So, or... sorry, R- Vern no, no. is part of the ad campaign? Yeah. Yeah, Vern is always like the camera. Okay. And Ernest always needs somebody to talk to because Ernest is at his best when he's being verbose and yeah. it's ridiculous. Gotcha. One of the things that we've talked about getting really weird is when it goes to the movies and Vern is not there, who is Ernest talking to? Yeah, because he still talks. talks to the camera. Gotcha. And it's like, uh, do you need help, sir? Like, <laughs> he, into, he still goes into monologues. Yes. And does characters, but for no one's benefit other than his own. And the audience. Yeah. I just pictured Vern like passing away and Ernest just keeps going. That's which, kind of what I feel like, the movies dark are. tragedy. Like <laughs> Ernest has lost his mind, so he just keeps going with it. Yeah, yeah. That's totally viable. <laughs> okay, so there are a lot of characters in this show. Like, who's your favorite character in the show? That's not Ernest. Oh, man. After Ernest, it's going to be a tie between, like, uh, Dr. Otto is in this show. Mm. By the way, I love Dr. Otto. Eureka, California. I, Dr. Otto, the naive, semi-mad scientist, have created the perfect movie food. Safe microwaving popcorn and cold drink. Dr. Otto in the Riddle of the Gloombeam is the first movie Ernest ever appeared in. And, Ernest uh, the character. Yes. Oh, interesting. Spoiler alert. I didn't know that. So I love Dr. Otto. He's like, he's a mad scientist, or he calls himself a semi-mad scientist. Yes. He looks in the he's, mirror, he's like, I'm not that far gone. He's like, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> like, he has a hand growing out of his head. That's true. And like a ridiculous costume that's like a 1960s alien villain. Yes, I, and also I love Dr. Otto's theme music. Me too. He's like, always got just like 80s pop in the background. But it's like, like such like a short loop. It's yeah. like someone just pressed the demo on the Casio <laughs> and was like, all right, Dr. Otto, here's and your we, theme. I like to think he just plays his own theme music. I mean, that's that's semi-mad. Yeah. Um, I love Dr. Otto. Auntie Nelda is also my other favorite. Yeah. She's amazing. Yep. Favorite character probably has to be after, if we're not talking Jim Varney characters, it's going to be Mac and his roommate, oh George. Gosh, yes. <laughs> oh, George. So Mac and his roommate, George. Mac is a human being. Okay. Correct. George is an iguana. Correct. That can do just about anything. And Mac is just always endlessly impressed by and like his roommate, George, just talking about how cool he is. Yeah. Isn't he great? I've never laughed so hard at an animal doing anything. <laughs> well, because it's always just like, let's just like tape the iguana's hand. And th- right. we should say this is a real iguana. This is right. a real iguana. Let's, let's just tape the iguana's hand to like a hacksaw. Let's right. tape the iguana's <laughs> hand to a pinball machine. <laughs> I'm pretty Let's... sure I saw somebody's hand holding George oh, in really? a couple different yeah, clips. Oh, yeah. the, was it the ping pong? Yeah, ping pong yeah, yeah, tennis, yeah. whatever they're doing. I also really like George playing the piano right? and George it... sewing. They were just like, I couldn't I tell those have, were like taxidermy arms. I think they have little fake lizard hands yeah. that yeah, they use. So. Like, <laughs> that poor creature. It's, this is a really cleverly shot 
show because the way that they shoot George, they've got like the little fake iguana parts and then the actual real iguana. And the way that they piece it together, it's really convincing that the iguana is doing all this stuff. Well, it's very evocative of like the way that they made the reindeer on the ceiling in Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, it's, it's very like, let's see, I have uh, 30 cents in my wallet. Yeah, this is the budget yeah. for this episode. Um, <laughs> 30 what, cents. what can we get away with? Let's have fake iguana arms and people with lights standing behind a wall with holes in it. It's clear that this show was made for a zero dollars <laughs> which adds to the charm immensely oh, yeah, you were saying when we were watching it like this is a show we could have made oh yes and not in a bad way we make. think very highly of ourselves listeners <laughs> yeah like <laughs> when we were watching this i was like this is a show we would make and would right. have loved to make yeah yeah like there's a character named um lonnie don who's played by gaylord certain plays a few characters in this he plays chuck alongside bobby and yes. they're great oh yeah they have great brotherly chemistry and they're always really funny he also plays uh, a photographer named matt finish and lonnie don who's a sound effects guy and on his set there's just like holes in the wall behind him and then there's flashing lights that flashing through the holes but it's kind of clearly three men or three people behind a wall I mean women can do that job yeah, too right? just waving lights waving which, flashlights which of you of... was it that noticed that I think I did because I, I just remember yeah. being like oh my gosh you're right <laughs> I noticed it on an elliptical as I was watching this show I was just like wait a minute which that was amazing to me the thing is like this show actually gets really repetitive i think oh, like yeah. specifically yeah. lonnie don is always like the same gag he always makes a fart noise take the meaty part of your palm and he instructs you on how to do this but then he always he, <laughs> de- he always describes it as a different sound effect from a different movie and matt finish is also you know there's not much to matt finish matt yeah. finish is basically like i'm a photographer here's what i look like at a football game and it's just him in the exact same outfit <laughs> just like posing one way right. i had a weird journey with the show where like the first few episodes i was like oh it's the same thing like the same gag hey Vern, it's repetitive but then as the episodes went on as we got to like five i was like do do the thing that I know you're gonna do and then they'll do it I'm really like yay <laughs> after a while the repetition became like comforting and, and satisfying sure and I mean it's also it was a weekly show you know it's not like five days a week you're seeing the same stuff or, or in or, the case of us watching it within the span of uh, two and a half hours well so who are some of the other characters there's uh, Mrs. Simon Simmons who I like a lot oh yeah okay like Jackie Welch she is like the only consistent female presence or right. fairly consistent female presence in these so i love her she always adds a lot she plays mrs simon simmons who's like an etiquette teacher basically i think her segment is called mind your manners mind your manners with mrs simon she's very like proper and like well quaffed yeah she's the i love her outfit she's delightful yeah she also sings in the show a few times she sings like just one-off songs i definitely recognize her singing in ernest goes to camp when ernest goes to pick up the boys there's like a song telling me about that yeah it's just like about being bad kids or something but she's definitely singing isn't she like the correctional the, guard. And then she's also the person that yeah. gives Ernest the kids. Yeah. Like, you hear her singing and then you see her as a different character. <laughs> she's cool. She's in this show a lot. Well, that's kind of like another character, Sergeant Glory. is another Jim Varney character. And you, before we started recording, asked, is that just Jim Varney doing the Sergeant Glory intro? Sergeant Glory! Before yeah. we cut to yeah. Jim Varney as Sergeant Glory. <laughs> and yes, it is. I actually forgot about him. He's like one of those characters that I just don't really have a frame of reference for. Sure. Was he a pre-existing character? Yeah. So Sergeant Glory was actually the first advertising gig that Jim Varney had with Cardin and Cherry before Ernest. Oh, interesting. He actually did Sergeant Glory ads. Do you know what he was promoting? I don't know what the products were. I'm going to assume not milk. Probably <laughs> milk, though. Interesting. I'm going to assume dairy. Wow. I think dairy is just a big local market because everybody I guess needs so. It. 
right? So yeah, the Sergeant Glory and his his thing is just that he's like a no-nonsense, humorless, and a military man. Yeah. His thing is always like the theme of the episode's clothes, and he'll be like, Today's subject is clothes, so pay close attention. <laughs> Little joke there. I really enjoy that. He's like, pay close attention. Huh. He's very restrained, and even yeah. when he like laughs, he doesn't really. Right. He kind of just like, hmm. like, yeah. like <laughs> he slightly softens. Right. <laughs> sort of the format of his things are is that there's always two rules for everything. So like the rule of clothes might be take care of your clothes, and your clothes will take care of you. Rule number two: obey, obey all rules. rules. Say say obey all rules. <laughs> say the thing. <laughs> Every time he whips the poster, the kids jump up and then sit back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is very well timed. Yeah, That is all. The subject is closed. They are using everything they have. Like, what do we have that we have built in the past? We've got that Creature from the Black Lagoon costume. <laughs> yeah. Let's use it every other episode. You see the Creature from the Black Lagoon mask a Break lot. Break out all the pink flamingos we have. I mean, Dr. Otto is just like, well, we have the Dr. Otto costume. Sure. We had the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Otto in the movie has a robot. They use this robot here. He's not associated with Dr. Otto in the show, but that's where he's from. Is that um, Willie the homemade robot? Yeah. He's, he's got a bucket for a head and a smiley face sticker that is his face that changes expressions right he's he's very like proto emoji yes oh my god jeez you just blew my mind <laughs> sorry that's what it made me think of just like i was waiting for it to have like far the, ahead of its time the, uh, the thumbs up or like a bicep or something yeah you're right speaking of biceps all right so they reuse that mm-hmm. and like the lonnie don set is also the set from ernest saves christmas too Oh, you're totally right, where they're trying to shoot down the sleigh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Now we need to go back and watch that movie and see if there are people behind the wall just <laughs> waving so. wands. Oh, and Earl the Barber. Oh, man. No, okay, Earl Lord. the Barber. Okay, Earl the Barber, maybe besides all those, my favorite segment. Yeah, explain why. He's played by Daniel Butler, who I should mention, by the way, is pulling a lot of weight in this series. He plays Ernest Tongue. Ernest Tongue oh, is a right. segment. Oh, that's who that is. He plays a lot of just random characters that they need. Is he the role? Robot? He is the robot. Oh, okay. Also. So yeah, he's pulling his fair share. I think his best performance is Earl the Barber. I, I would agree with that. You look a little shaggy now. You need a trim, don't you, huh? So Ernest always comes in to the barber shop and he kind of waffles over what he wants, but eventually he always decides that he wants to be a Wall Street tycoon. Yeah, it's always like, make me look like X. No, Y. No, a Wall Street tycoon. <laughs> and he does that like Ah, uh, we never talked about Ernest snap Snapping. when he figures things out. Yeah, yeah I really love that. It's, <laughs> it's so sweet. And so Earl always mishears him. He always does some ridiculous thing to Ernest's head that in some way rhymes with Wall Street Tycoon. Man on the moon. And it's we very were, bizarre. We were all confused by windswept sand dude. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that was, like, that once, was reaching. <laughs> once, you, once you get like seven episodes in, it's like, all right, Earl. What's also lovely about it is every time Ernest sees it, he's horrified. He his, looks, his mouth becomes a triangle. Uh, yeah, he screams. <laughs> But then Earl asks, is like, well, what, well, do you like it? And Ernest always has, like, a thoughtful change of heart. He decide, he's like, yeah. It, it could, could work. work. It could work. <laughs> I don't he think the hot air balloon one could work. I don't think around. most of them yeah, can work. In what world would no, those work? None of them can work. One of them is a clock set on noon. It's just a clock. Uh, on his yeah, head. yeah, that's right. There's that's no true. way. Like, the raccoon could work if he's in a some sort of Civil I, War I, reenactment. That's, that's the one I believe that could work if I think <laughs> Ernest wouldn't mind. Like, mm. he even had a preference for the tail being up. Instead of to the side. That's true. Here's my thing with Floyd. With oh, see, I almost said Floyd. Okay, Earl the barber. I think it is paying homage to Floyd the barber from the Andy Griffith show. Oh, I don't know who that is. Just a quick wiki. Floyd the barber is a fictional character on the American TV sitcom The Andy Griffith Show, who was inspired by a real barber in Andy Griffith's real hometown of Mount Airy, North Carolina. 
Okay, so the thing with Floyd the Barber is that at some point during the series, the actor playing Floyd had a stroke. Really? Mm. Yeah. Um, he still had appearances in the show after that, but then he was, it says in the wiki here, he was seen only like sitting or apparently standing behind the barber's chair. This was due to the effects of the stroke in real life. Jeez. I kind of feel like Daniel Butler is playing Floyd post-stroke. Interesting. Huh. It makes sense, right? It does. It does. Because there's something wrong with Earl the Barber. Oh, most certainly. They're like, he's not okay. Every time Ernest he's arrives... Feeding, he's feeding like taxidermy that's birds. That's the most worrying thing. Like, he's yeah. talking to like the... <laughs> Uh, he's talking to the heads with like the various wigs on them. Like, How, what do you think? How does that look? The one where he's feeding the birds, there are just plastic birds hanging from the ceiling and he's throwing crumbs at them and he's going, you got to eat. But then he also is going, wah, 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 wah. he's also <laughs> making the birds. <laughs> That's true. And also the way he mishears Ernest every time, obviously there's something not okay. He's a creative genius. He makes the most amazing sculpt. <laughs> he could be great on like, what's the Project Runway equivalent of the hair show? I know there is one. Project Hairway? I don't know. I don't remember... But he would have been great on that. He wouldn't have won, but he would be like the one that's like makes it to the final three. And you're like, he's not going to win. But damn, I love watching Floyd. He's like the, the underdog. <laughs> he, well, he's the crazy one that everybody likes. Well, I feel like we should probably get into like the various episodes and stuff, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, well, basically, all these characters, they don't really have like narratives within the episodes. Their their bits are like one off. But Ernest actually has his own little narrative arcs in every episode. So the first one is, hey, Vern, it's outer space, which is a great way to start. Mm-hmm. The premise for Ernest's narrative in this is that a weird object... A viral moon pod. This is what Ernest says it is. But okay. yes, yeah, some kind of alien object crashes into Vern's house, where <laughs> Ernest is, of course. <laughs> Ernest, because he's watched some movie Attack where this happens, moon people. he thinks it's a viral moon pod that has an atomic virus in it and is going to explode. Correct. So Sent he, by the alien Vindor. Yeah, he thinks it's Vindor specifically because that's the movie, which Ernest... <laughs> Ernest. So he spends the entire time trying to get rid of this moon pod. Correct. Basically. Trying to shoot into space with a slingshot. He tries fireworks. He tries... Uh, it's like the it's like the anti-MacGuffin, the object that everyone's trying to get rid of. He tries to mail it. Yes. And he really feels like that one's going to work. That's the sad thing. I feel like that's the most successful one. It's the one that takes the longest time for him to find out it didn't work. Sure. It comes back and it says return to sender on it. I think he just addressed it to the moon. Mail this, would you? And they're like, <laughs> um, return to sender. Insufficient post. We kind of have to talk about Vern's house. Sure. (laughs) Because it is, again, I had a journey when I watched it because I I was like, I'm looking at Vern's living room, quote unquote Vern's living room, and there's more than one framed poster of Charlie Chaplin (laughs) hanging on the wall and like his weird like Brazilian mask or like. You said it was like a carnival mask, right? Interests that. It's like, wow, Vern has a lot in common with Jim Varney. There's two framed posters of Charlie Chaplin and a framed poster of Humphrey Bogart. That's true. Which is like, okay, is this Jim Varney's house? I looked it up and for sure it was. Right. Oh, in real life. In real life, yeah. Again, this is an economic... This show is made for zero dollars. Right. And is, so that's what the Varney Productions is in the credits? That's what's great. Yeah, in the credits, it says services provided by Varney Productions, <laughs> which is just like... AKA, hey, Jim, Jim can, can we, we use, use your house? house? That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, credit me as Varney Productions. Yeah, Varney Productions. I like the sound. 
<laughs> it could work. It that confused me, actually. Me. I kept thinking, oh, this is Ernest's house. Me too, because, because Ernest, Ernest is kind of Jim Varney. Because in Ernest, some ways. I would think, is be the one who would like Charlie Chaplin the acting and Hungry Bogart correct. and have weird toys around, but it's Vern. So he's just kind of like a giant mooch on his friend. Oh, oh yes. yes. He's just That's like, what? hey, I'm going to live here and do all this stuff yep. and we'll work it out later. And then that doesn't happen. Yes, that is a very succinct <laughs> yep. way to describe the Ernest Vern relationship. Well, and that was another interesting thing. You know, we're always trying to figure out who is Ernest, what's up with the world he's in, what's his backstory and all that. Is Ernest aware that he's on a TV show? Because this theme song literally ends with oh, him yeah. saying, Okay, we have hey, to talk about this theme song. Just sidebar. Like, yes, it ends, it ends with, with him saying, saying, Hey, Ernest, it's me. I'm on TV. Gleefully. Yes. We've talked about how in Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain, Ernest is an actor. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is sort of the same thing. This is Ad Ernest playing, playing Hey oh, Vern, man. it's Ernest, Ernest. He got a TV show. Hey Vern, they gave me a TV show. You're in, buddy. Can we use your house? I guess my question is, are these other skits part of the show or are they just oh, happening? Wait, so there's one skit we totally forgot to talk about. I know. My Father the okay, Clown. All right. All right. Because that also ties into the, what is this insane TV world we are in? Well, okay, in the world of the show, let's forget that Ernest is an actor. In the world of the show, I think My Father the Clown is actually happening. I think everything is actually happening. I think it is too. I think the My Father the Clown characters just live in a sitcom, like, pocket bubble. It chipped off of the space-time continuum. For some (laughs) reason, that one house on the block in Ernest's neighborhood is a sitcom. Yes. Okay. Because it cuts to it like it's some sort of, like, here's another wacky thing, like another sketch with that hilarious mixture of seltzer cream pie and traditional family values it's presented as if it's a tv show that ernest would be watching sort of correct but it's not it's happening in his neighborhood Hmm. i don't think they're aware of the interesting intro oh the the sort of that's that's just for our benefit yeah i think it's just for our benefit i don't think they can hear the announcer or anything gotcha gotcha well, and then, like, at the same time, there's also, and I think this is in the first episode, there's also things where Ernest will legit just say, hey, Vern, so I'm going to go do this, blah, 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 point to the camera, we'll be right back. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, okay, you're, it's a TV you, show. you know it's a TV show. Yeah, ah. he knows, he knows it's a TV okay. show. Like Pee Wee. Pee Wee well, knows it's a show, right? I think. Well, Pee Wee, it's very explicitly all a show. I feel like Ernest, <laughs> it's that weird thing of, like, he's always talking to a camera, mm-hmm. but sometimes the camera is a person, and mm-hmm. that sometimes person- Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's us as the audience. Some, it's it's very perplexing. Yeah, in this first episode, he's just trying to get rid of the moon pod. Right, and anyway, like back to space. And every time we see another character, like Dr. Otto, they say something about space. Mm-hmm. Every time we see, Auntie, in this case, um, Auntie Nelda gets abducted by aliens. <laughs> and Auntie, let aliens? me just say that again. Auntie Nelda gets abducted by aliens. And one of the aliens is just like keeping her as a pet, I guess. That's what she, yes. I love that the alien is just like, check out her swell collar. Really? <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing about that is that she gets returned. Yes. I wish I had written down some of her lines. I because... remember her line from this one. Oh, please she, tell me. She goes, it's an alien kid. And that's like, mom, can I go to Earth and bring back an Earth? Oh, I love, that, I love that the alien is just like, can I take the UFO out for a spin? And it's like, really? wait, you referred to the, like, right. it's identified <laughs> by you right. because you own the vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Right. And Andy Dell was reading a book about space and it's like well this is ridiculous yeah and then like she gets abducted by aliens it's a ray pulls her into the ship yeah it's kind of like a tractor beam auntie nelda is just like she does not care either she's just standing there that she's unfazed by everything yeah yeah <laughs> when the alien kid brings auntie nelda home there's like a dinosaur on a kebab stick yeah it's like a lizard kebab and she picks it up and takes a bite out of it yes it's like whatever i've seen it all honey <laughs> <laughs> like 
the mom alien's like, well, you have to take it back. It'll mess itself or something like that. Like, I'm not going to clean up after her or whatever. Yeah, and Auntie Nell just, just goes like, Thank goodness for strict moms. And to think I almost became a space pet. Auntie Nelda is a victim. The her character, she's always talking about how nobody wants her. She's always like, trying to guilt people, yeah. Yeah, in this case, she actually has been returned. And no, they didn't want her. And she's, <laughs> she's harping about that. She's just going like, oh, like, they don't even want me. And she's like, <laughs> she says something about, like, there's clearly no intelligent life on other planets. Yeah. And then she says, The last time you'll find me on Trafalgar Moor. Yeah. Which is just like Trafalgar Square, but made into a, but it's more. a planet. But like, um, more than Trafalgar Square. Somebody's uh, an Anglophile. There's an Anglophile mm. in the crew. But like, the Dr. Otto bit in this is like, Dr. Otto does have a small narrative that intersects with Ernest, which is that Dr. Otto set the space pod. It's quick. It's convenient. It's evil. It's sinister. And it's. It's gone. So now this confused me about Dr. Otto also. Is Dr. Otto an alien? Okay. He has a hand growing out of his he, head. He does. That's not something you normally see. Not usually. And like all of his garb and his like surroundings are very spacey. You guys said he looked like a Power Rangers villain. He does. He's got <laughs> kind of like the Rita Repulsa collar. Yeah. I think he'd make a great Power Ranger villain. Oh, uh, undoubtedly. He has a great maniacal laugh. Wells. Yeah, he I does. I love Dr. Otto. I love him. Like Where he, does Dr. Otto live is my question because, yes, it does seem like he lives in the neighborhood because he goes to the neighborhood costume party. He I, feels obligated to go for some reason, so he must live there, but it looks like a dark cave laboratory. I imagine that that entire dank lab is just inside of some sort of unmarked warehouse on, like, 4th Street. I assume that it was a totally normal suburban house when inside or that. it looks like that. Or that. <laughs> but, like, in Dr. Otto's movie, where he comes from, he's not an alien. I'm not an alien. Whether he is an alien in this, I think, is totally up for debate. He could be. Okay, sort of a non-answer, but There's I'll accept no rules. it. <laughs> in this, he, it's possible. It's possible. For everyone in this episode, all the characters, their bits are in some way related to space or talking right. about space. Chuck and Bobby, what are they doing? Uh, Chuck they... is like spinning Bobby around him. He makes a reference to G-Wiz forces, yep. and I appreciate and he, that. He calls it a centrifugal force machine also. He does, yes. Same, yeah. There's the centrifugal force machine. Miss Simon Simmons talks about space capsule etiquette. We haven't really talked about sort of like the um, not-human characters. There's always like some weird puppets. I mean, we talked about Ernest's tongue a little bit. Ernest will open his mouth, and then you'll meet his tongue, who just says something about how, how hard it is being a tongue. Yeah. Oh, no, Ernest is eating a frozen treat. It's cold. It is see like a giant popsicle. popsicle prop like rub against the tongue guy not a huge fan of that bit it gets gross sometimes yeah. that's just... that's what it is like sometimes it's not gross at all but right. sometimes it's extremely gross Correct. like they just pour stuff on this guy in the tongue costume it's kind of foul like, yeah. the show is random except for Ernest, which always has like a beginning middle and end usually so the way that this ends is like Ernest tries to get rid of this moon pod. He fails repeatedly. It has a countdown clock on it that's got counting down 22 minutes, coincidentally. Well, it's counting. No, it's counting down like 48 hours at first, I think. He says it's 48 hours, but when but we never see shows it, it. Oh, it's counting down 22 minutes. It's weird. Hmm. What's great is like Dr. Otto knows that it's at Vern's house because he's in his lab talking about how he invented like the most evil thing ever and his creation. He's happy about this. And then he's like, where is it? Because he's like vaguely European. I was just thinking... <laughs> of how I really want to be able to do a Dr. Otto impression. Yeah. He describes himself as like Dr. Otto von Schnick-Ick-Ick or something. Von Schnick-Ick-Ick. The von, he's European. Sure. But he's like, where is it? I don't see it. It has a mind of its own. And then he hears, for no reason, he hears a news report. It doesn't turn on a TV or a radio. Out of nowhere, a voice, as if it's coming from a radio or something, says like, A viral moon 
Pop was sighted today in the vicinity of Vern's house. So it ends with Dr. Otto going to Vern's house to retrieve his moon pod, which is not a moon pod. It's from Dr. Otto's house, which is probably like across the street or something. But like the countdown is like running out. Ernest has failed. He's like, and now the time's going to run out and the world's going to blow up and it's all my fault. Because it's always Ernest's fault. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> he's always his, he feels responsible, I know, Dave. I know. It's very earnest. Nice. No, I mean, it's very, uh, in every sense of the word. He wants <laughs> yeah. to save the world, yeah. that's all. That's so much to ask. And then Dr. Otto appears in Vern's living room. Clutching his cloak. This is the most bizarre, I think, image to me, because it's weird to see the two Jim Varneys, oh, yeah. like, speaking to each other. Like, we're just cutting back and forth. And Dr. Otto appears like Dracula, because he's holding, like, yeah, the sides of his cape. I assume to hide the man who's the hand on his head. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, probably. There's just like Who's guy, always on point. Head hand is amazing. There's just a person standing behind Jim Varney, like with his hand on his head, doing hand gestures. Whenever it's like a whose line is it anyway sketch. It's great. And Ernest asks him if he is Vindor. Well, there's oh, a t- yeah. there's a TV in the beginning playing the Attack of the Moon People thing. It and just I, looks like Dr. Otto, though. I think there is, yeah, just like a guy who either <laughs> is Dr. Otto or looks like him. So. Yeah. And Ernest is not off the mark there. Also, the movie, Dr. Otto looks like an alien. He's like, Vindor? And Otto introduces himself as Otto von Schnick Ick Ick. And he's like, Where is my beautiful instrument of destruction? It's counting down the last few seconds. The moon pot's counting down the last few seconds. And both Otto and Ernest are reacting in, antici- in dread and anticipation. It's great because it's like cut between two Jim Varneys trying to make different faces. Like, <laughs> it's like, um, Acting. but Dr. Otto's invention turns out to be an evil toaster. Correct. He says it's a toaster that makes perfectly burnt <laughs> toast. Every time. And then he asks if Ernest has any rancid butter, and Ernest is so confused. And he laughs maniacally, and that's what ends the first episode of this children's show. Correct. This is the kind of evil that Dr. Otto is. It's not, like, genocidal. It's making things that inconvenience people mildly. <laughs> yeah. It's a first world problems kind of evil. Not it's even, like, though, because it's like us. nothing's making people use the burnt toast machine. But the fact that it exists, I, guess, I think, yeah. is, is immalevolent in a very, like... <laughs> like yeah. way I mean, they made burnt toast <laughs> and all of Dr. Otto's inventions are like that like he invents like Brussels sprouts and mm. like evil but mildly inconvenient irritating and, yeah <laughs> but that's episode one episode two we have to talk about the theme song hey Barn today's your lucky day we knew you wouldn't want to oversleep Barn we only do it once a week Barn me and all the other guys Barn we even bust the pies Barn the odd dissonance that is the Haverhorn theme song. The phrase that was in my head was a chorus of farts. Because <laughs> it's like boink, 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 fart, fart. The it's word, weird. the word, cacophonous, kind of it comes to mind. Yeah, it's another thing that irritated me at first, and then after a couple of hours, grew on me. It's charming, but it is very dissonant. At the first time, I was like, "What is this? It's... This is not a song. This is sounds. I, it, it is like hardly a song. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's hobo soup in. It's like musical. hobo. Soup made by Mark Mothersbaugh. <laughs> yeah. But my question is, why is Jim Varney not singing this song? That's what annoys me. That's a fair question. Oh, I have a further question to add on top of that. Uh-huh. Who is singing the song? I'm going to assume that it's Bruce Arnston, who we didn't talk about, but is in the show a lot. He's Existo the Magician. Mm. Uh, who's less, just, he's a bad magician. 
Yeah. But he writes a lot of songs for the show, and he'll sing a lot of one-off songs that don't have any connection to. It's not a recurring thing. He'll just sing. Yeah, songs. I, I kind of like a lot of the songs. Actually, I do like a lot. The, of the first songs. episode one has that moon song that's pretty fun. Oh, yeah, that was good. I think he's the moon. Yeah, like the face in the moon. It looks like him. Yeah. He might be the clown father. I can't even. I thought tell. so too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I just checked it. Yes, he is the clown. <laughs> Mike the clown. Okay. I should have known because his the man's mouth is such an O shape. Yeah, he's such a round rec- mouth. He has very recognizable eyes and a mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's so a perfect he's, circle. He's the circle to Jim Varney's triangle. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a little mouth. Jimmy is a large mouth uh, or a wide mouth. Yeah. As much as I appreciate Bruce Arnston and his contributions because he adds a lot, I want the theme song to be sung by Ernest. Right. And we know that footage exists because there's little bits where you see him singing the song. And, and he, he does sing like the, very the end, anchor line. The tail yeah. end. Hey, Vern, it's me. I'm on TV. Yeah. I want the whole thing. But <laughs> whatevs. No, I mean, the theme song sounds very much like... We want something like Pee-wee's Playhouse, but you have two instruments and ten <laughs> seconds. Go. Yeah. But it really did grow on me. Mm. But episode two is Haver and its clothing. And this is the perfect place for actor Ernest. That's right. Because he's ju- it's just an entire episode of Ernest putting on costumes. Yeah, Ernest oh, is yeah. in the attic. He's finding clothes, and he's just playing around in the attic with, like, scarves and hats. And he's like, you can be anyone, you- anything you want if you just wear different clothes. It's like, oh, yes, somebody wants to be an actor. Yep. There's a part where it cuts to... Ernest and Vern, and they're playing chess. I don't know why Vern continues to play chess with Ernest. He clearly doesn't know how. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. But they're playing chess, and Ernest is just in a full pirate costume. That's right. Even though he still manages to wear both his vest and and cap. Because (laughs) if he doesn't, he's not Ernest, and we're freaked out. (laughs) Yeah, and kind of to that point, I always appreciate in the Earl the Barber sketches that we don't see Ernest without the hat when Earl starts it would the haircut. It's shocking to our system. It's like he sort of like blocks <laughs> Ernest with his body and just like peels the hat off in a very dramatic it's way. It's weird. It's like it's like it's like seeing him naked. Yeah. Like you can't. You can't yeah, yeah. show Ernest's genitals or head. Or it's like it's like Big Bird without like the top half. <laughs> but it's funny because when they cut to Ernest in the pirate costume, I was like, maybe this was just happening at Jim Barney's house and they showed up. <laughs> like maybe like maybe this was just happening. We're here. Let's film this. <laughs> You never know. And Ernest is still being very earnesty where he's like very clearly has no clue how to play chess because he's playing it like checkers checkers. and then does that very smug like crown me. Made all the better by the fact that he's dressed like a pirate. Yes. And this is where we can see that Ernest clearly has an earring hole. I'm curious about the mentality of like the hat on hat thing because it's like maybe they really thought that like because he plays all these other characters Mm. that if his Ernest cap wasn't on it you would think he was a different character. That's totally what it is. I think that's very accurate, yeah. So basically, Ernest decides that he loves dressing up so much that he wants to have a costume party. That's true. We can invite the whole neighborhood in and have a veritable costumed extravaganza. Know what I mean? Then goes throughout the episode just trying on various costumes because he wants to win top prize at, the at party. his own costume party? <laughs> that's the thing that doesn't make any sense. I'll be sure to take top prize. It's like, Ernest... You're judging the contest, right? I think. <laughs> well, Ernest would never be the type of person to give the prize to That's himself. That's what I love, that Ernest has to be the one judging the costume contest, but he still is like, no, I need to really have the best one. And then he will stand in a line with other people as the judge, look down the row, and like figure out if he actually does have the best costume. And if he doesn't, 
He just doesn't. That's right. Fair is fair. <laughs> At some point, he tries on a suit of armor, and he has the vest on top of the armor. That's right. Mm. He tries to dress as a cowboy. He's making party punch. Oh, he does like the. He needs a little more kick. Uh, yeah, joke, yeah, right. Yeah, and he like pulls out a cowboy boot and like dumps whatever was in the boot. Oh, he says what suit. it is. It's like he foot says it's powder. foot powder. Yeah, it's a very Wonka joke. Oh, it's it's straight out of Willy Wonka. Yeah, yeah. And then Ernest Tongue complains about the taste of it. Like that's how Ernest Tongue gets woven in. Yeah, he's like things aren't supposed to taste like a foot. Ernest makes but I me guess... eat all these weird things. Yeah, that's the best. That's the best. <laughs> From the tongue. Think about all the things that Ernest puts in his mouth. No. <laughs> There's some Pass. sometimes when I'm watching a movie, Ernest will be holding an object and I'll be like, don't put that in your mouth. Just for no because I just feel like he might. <laughs> because he's a child. <laughs> oh, speaking of children and Ernest, we haven't talked about Ernest as a baby. Oh, that's right, no, baby Ernest. God. That is baby Ernest, right? Which, oh, I think it's baby Ernest in a very Yoshi's Island sort of way. So what it is, is there's a little baby body prop. It's a crib. It's got a baby. And then there's just like a, a puppeted hole. puppeted baby body. And there's just a big hole for Jim Barney's big dumb face that sticks out <laughs> of it. I love you, RIP. It's just a big <laughs> his face sticking out. It's kind of uh, like Wienerville, but... I remember. Wienerville. <laughs> okay. I love that show. Baby is always misunderstanding idioms that his parents yes. use. It's related to the theme clothes. In this case, he says, like, Mommy and Daddy put on their best clothes and went to paint the town red. Well, they probably should have worn old clothes to paint in. Boy, grown-ups sure talk funny. Know what I mean? The know what I mean is what, what makes you think it's, it's Ernest. Ernest. Uh, yeah. But like, well, the it, fact that it's Jim Varney's big fat head. Well, it's not a fat head, it's just a big head. It's Compared big, to big, that big baby mouth. body, it's a big fat head. <laughs> you kind of can't go wrong with putting Jim Varney's face in anything. Like Correct. popping Jim Varney's face out of a big hole. You can't kind of go wrong. Mm. His face in a box in the ads. Yeah, like a box of candy principle. or whatever. They just know that that's hilarious. Yep. And it is. And he always ends with meow, 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 meow. Or he'll make some joke about whatever he's holding. Yeah, at some point the baby drops the rattle and he gets really upset about that but yeah there's baby Ernest, which is that just like a flashback and i don't, okay, I don't or is it Ernest? i don't know is baby Ernest Ernest? okay that's a question i have if anyone knows in, who is this question directed I, at the world the universe <laughs> if anyone knows whether that baby is Ernest or not let us know for the record which do you think it is i mean yeah this is important <laughs> no i mean i'm asking you which do you think it is Me? yeah 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 i think it's baby Ernest. i also think it's baby Ernest. I'm not, you know what, I'm really not sure. Because then there's a whole lot of questions I have because baby Ernest is uncommonly intelligent. He's fast for a baby and slow for an adult. No, I just, I just think that something happened. There's something up with him. Yeah. But, like, everyone is going to this costume party. Right. So, like, even Dr. Otto wants, he's thinking about what to wear. He has, a, like, a Saturday Night Fever suit, and he decides it's too ugly, and he has a reputation to think of. I mean, doesn't Mrs. Simon Simmons also make veiled, like, insults towards, like, a Dr. Otto That's costume? Right, she's like, yeah. this is only appropriate at a trash fire or a dog fight. Like she's just like indiscriminately throwing shade at his outfit on some sort of like store mannequin. This is where the singing shoes are. That's what you guys like. There's like a shoe puppet and the shoelaces are their eyes. I still, I still wanna be your shoes. Lace me up, little buddy. Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. cool puppet. It's a cool design. I liked it. And they're sort of like both sneakers are some sort of like collective consciousness. Like both sneakers are the same character. It's like the Borg. Are Mac and George going to this party or... Oh, this is oh, the one where George, George is, is sewing. Making, yeah, George is sewing, yeah. The iguana can do anything. Sure. Mac can do basically nothing, but he marvels at George. Mac is kind of a sad character in that way. Well, you know what's interesting about the Ernest universe is that there's always like a lot of duos. There's Vern yeah. and Ernest. There's Chuck Whoa. and Bobby. There's Mac and George. Um, there's Existo and Failure. <laughs> 
Um, but everyone has <laughs> kind accurate. of everyone has kind of like someone to play off of. Except for the Jim Varney characters. Except for Otto and Auntie Nelda. Sure, they're I mean, talking to us. I know Ernest has Vern to play off. I mean, Auntie Nelda. She doesn't have a specific other person. That yeah, well yeah. I mean, she, does... she doesn't have an other. That's what I'm saying. Yes, correct. And Doctor Otto doesn't have an other. And Baby doesn't have an other. Right, Mrs. Simonson because doesn't. Jim Varney doesn't need anyone else. All right. But like, <laughs> Lonnie Don could use somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, duos provide contrast. That's like a key yeah. component of design and interest to an audience. Contrast is what makes things interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. My Father the Clown. So they're also <laughs> going to Ernest's costume party. We haven't talked about, okay, how My Father the Clown is kind of a dark thing. It's so depressing. Yep. Okay, it is, right? Okay, I'm not, okay. My Father the Clown, the premise is that there's two parents, one woman who we're told doesn't have a sense of humor, but I don't see how she married a clown. Also, she makes jokes sometimes. Well, a very straight, like a straight character. Yeah, she's a traditional sitcom mom. Yes. 1950s housewife. Very straight archetype of a housewife. Mm -hmm. And then her husband is a just a clown, a circus yeah. clown. And they have two children, twins, fraternal twins. A little clown who I actually can't tell is a boy or girl. I think it's that actress who plays the girl hanging out with Willie the robot. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. I just found her. She was born in 1967. So, so I she would have been like 20-ish. Yeah. So that's Skeeter. Yeah. Skeeter is a clown. And then they have the son, Eddie, who is decidedly not a clown. <laughs> no, and he's he's very, like, also he's, leave it to beaver. I don't want to say he's a boring kid, but he is... TV normal. He's a quieter child than most TV kids, actually. He's a quiet, unamused child, often. Mm. And, like, Eddie is where the tragedy of this whole thing comes from. Because Eddie just... In this segment in particular, the family is trying on different clothes for Ernest's costume party. Mike, the dad clown, it puts on, like, a, a hat... Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, oh, no, it's going to laugh at this. And then Eddie's like, gee, dad, I think you look great. Kind of like a normal dad. <laughs> yeah. And like, and there's always these little sides that Eddie gives. It's like, at some point, and one of the skits, Eddie point blank asks his mother, why can't dad be like a real dad? Yeah. Oh, doesn't he ask like once like, hey, dad, how come Skeeter finds you funny and I don't? Yeah. But like, not like insulting, but just like in a very like genuine way. Yeah. <laughs> the clown takes a pause. He's like, well. Uh, And he tells the kid that he doesn't have a sense of humor. That's bad parenting. At which point they both, Dad Clown and Skeeter, put like bowls of cereal on Eddie and his mother's head. Hilarious. They're often sprayed with water. They're often pied in the face. And the thing is, they never find it funny. Mom tolerates it. Eddie looks like he's just, Eddie's life is a living nightmare. So they're definitely biological children to Mm -hmm. this father. It's not like clown Son or daughter and adopted or no uh, no stepdad or whatever. No, he's definitely okay. his biological okay. father. Yeah, it's like they had two kids and one came out as a clown and one didn't. Gotcha. And the one right. that didn't come out as a clown is just in a constant just living living hell. Yeah. yeah, this poor kid. The entire thing of my father the clown is just the tragedy of Eddie and how like Eddie cannot. Eddie has no connection to his father. Can't relate. Wants to. You get the sense he wants to. That's just so sad that he can't. Yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> well, it's, it's, that it's makes inter- it hilarious. It's interesting just in that, like, like he's the outcast mm. for just being, like, regular and unnoteworthy. <laughs> un- yeah. As, there's one where he comes down. He's like, I'm not going to school today. And they're like, are you not feeling well? And he goes, no, I don't have any friends. All the kids <laughs> oh, like God, Skeeter. I forgot about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like this oh, poor kid. So <laughs> Eddie, you wearing your pajamas to school today? It's better than what he usually wears. Whoa! Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so great. It's my 
it's one of my favorite sketches because it's so dark, actually. <laughs> There's just one point where Mike, Mike, the dad, comes home and, like, he has this, like, clown handshake with Skeeter where they, like, they rub fists. And then he just, like, that. slightly tousles Eddie's hair, like, eh, and you... It's, like, really poor parenting. Uh, well, yeah. mom tries. Nah. But mom is just so in love with this clown that Eddie, I don't think, gets a fair shake, no. Skeeter definitely is the better treated than Eddie. Or Skeeter's needs are more catered to than Eddie's. For their birthday, they will both get seltzer bottles, or they will both get some uh, clown-related. Like, it's, yeah. it sucks. Sorry, Eddie. I would like a uh, reunion, where are they now? My, <laughs> my father, the clown episode. Eddie's just dead. <laughs> oh, no. Or a mass murderer. <laughs> Funny! Funny. Is this funny? Is this funny? It's a seltzer bottle full of acid. Oh, he just becomes the Joker. Oh, Oh, my God. That's the backstory for the Joker is Eddie. All right, yeah. Had canon accepted. Uh, Speaking of sad, the conclusion of this episode. Oh, yes. Ernest decides that he is going to wear a chicken costume that looks homemade. It's very bizarre looking. It's a round like... costume. Like, it's like a sumo wrestler round. You know, like, yeah. inflatable. And then, like the, like, the eyeballs are like those novelty glasses that you get at, like, the 99 cent store. Yeah, yeah. Which lines up with the production budget of this show. Mm. If he made it, it's really impressive. It's impressive not only because of the costume itself, but also because of what happens afterwards. <laughs> it's bizarre because of what happens afterwards. This is one of my favorite acting moments in this show. Ernest is answering the door for party guest after party guest. And he starts out really excited. Oh, hi, everybody. Uh, Nice costumes. Uh, Come on in. The party's right down the hall. And then, like, for the next person, like, his enthusiasm just drains. Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the costume party. You see his enthusiasm draining as he answers the door for the next person, but you don't know why? Yeah, it's, like, continuously punctuated by the doorbell. He just gets more drained. So he's like... Nice costume. The last one, he just points. He doesn't even say anything. He just points (laughs) to the living room. And as it turns out, everyone has worn a chicken costume. Not just a chicken costume, but the The exact same same homemade chicken costume. Correct. And Ernest's hopes of being the winner of his own contest are dashed. Like, there's no point in having the contest now. But to add insult to injury... This is where Auntie Nelda calls him. This is one of my favorite things. This is how we know that Auntie Nelda and Ernest are different people. Oh, yeah. Right, Right, because I don't think they've interacted before. I think this is the first and only time we ever see them interact. Hmm. Interesting. It's a rare thing. It's a gift. They interact exactly how you would expect. Right. Which is that Auntie Nelda calls him up, guilt trips him, and Ernest feels the guilt. Oh, hi, Auntie Nelda. Like, it's so sad. He says it in a way that's very much like, I've been meaning to call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She calls him and she's like, I'm going to have to go to the airport. She says she's surprised he heard the phone with all the noise. It's just immediately, it's just a barrage. And like, she says, it's Auntie Nelda, your uninvited guest. (laughs) Which is like the biggest burn. And then he's like, Uh, uh, Hi, Auntie Nelda. Uh, Why don't you come over and join us? Too late. And his face fall like if he knows he messed up, he bites his lip like I'm screwed. She proceeds to tell him that if the noise doesn't stop, Nelda calls the cops. Comprendo, bubblehead. You're gonna have to hold it down, which is an odd expression that I never heard before. She calls him bubblehead. She says comprendo, bubblehead. What's weird is no, they if, both say comprendo. If, Here's the thing. Wait, are they related? Well, so that's a question I had because according okay. to the cop who shows up, her right. first name is just Auntie. This is Auntie Nelda. Yeah. I think everyone just calls her Auntie Nelda. We can't go by that. I'm starting to think they're not related. Is her name Nelda Worrell? No, we don't never know that. Is it's she in Nelda. the family album? No. Interesting. So I don't think she is. She's usually an elder, earnest. An er, and that's but in this case, she's true. not. She's just like an elderly So now neighbor. they've split like an amoeba. 
they split into two people. I think that she always intended to call the cops. She just called him to put some dread into him before she actually did it. Oh, sure. That's like Nancy Nelda move. Yeah. For sure. The party goes on, and then the cops show up, and it's Daniel Butler again. And this is where Vern calmly watches Ernest get arrested. That's true. <laughs> His uppance has come. So the cop shows up, arrests Ernest, tells him he, he, they, we fry chickens in the state. Yeah, which is like a, an impossible amount of chicken puns ensues. <laughs> He's like, Vern, come on, you gotta help me beak this rap. Which yeah. is such a stretch. Yeah. So Ernest gets taken away. Ernest goes to jail. Vern like closes the door behind him. Sure. Just like, oh, okay, good riddance. And then Ernest is in jail and he's sad. He's talking about how he thought he was going to win top prize. Again, Ernest. At his own party. You can give your... Okay. He's sad about that. And then he goes, my friends, this is the sad part. He goes, my friends are all going to probably be real steamed that I'm not there. And then, oh, and then someone goes, you cut it cuts back, back to, to the, the party. party. Yeah. yeah. And someone goes, oh, hey, where's Ernest? And then someone else goes, who cares? By the way, at the party, there are two chickens that are like making out. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's a little weird. A little friendly scratching and squawking. <laughs> it's probably uh, my father, the clown, and his wife. They're in there somewhere, aren't they? <laughs> Dr. Otto shows up and he's just like, everyone's dressed as chickens, which is, that's all he says. Yeah. He's just an observation. He's not wrong. And then the episode ends with Ernest in jail. If you were thinking he gets out of jail at the end, no, it just ends with him in jail. Looking bummed out. Yeah. And Auntie Nelda just puts a button on it and goes, wasn't that fun? The end. <laughs> Credits. Yep. Freaking Auntie Nelda. It's the Ernest P. Worrell with a story and a moral. And the moral is, don't throw costume parties. <laughs> You'll get arrested. <laughs> There's a lot of weird, like, I don't know how children would interpret the messages of this show things. I just feel like just a bunch of kids were, like, terrified of barbershops because that's what they thought would happen when you yeah. go there. I could see that. But that's not what happens at a barbershop. Speaking of being terrified, yes. episode three is Hey Vern, It's Scary Things. That was a seamless segue. <laughs> Until you pointed it out, yes. This episode uh, is Ernest is trying to catch the boogeyman. He's convinced there's a boogeyman in Vern's house. It's starts with him like reading a ghost story we know it's a ghost story because the cover of the book just says ghost yes he's in full body pajamas red pajamas with them wearing his hat and vest on top seems uncomfortable to sleep in uh he's reading a story about the boogeyman which convinces him that there's a real boogeyman i guess Mm. and then like spends the rest of the episodes trying to set traps for the boogeyman my favorite trap of all is the first one he makes which is to trap around the bottom of Ernest's bed Mm -hmm. of of, of Vern's bed rather i think it's Vern's bed i think Vern comes into his bedroom and Ernest is there reading a story to himself get out of my bed Ernest Why are you here? (laughs) But my favorite boogeyman trap that Ernest makes when he's trying to catch the boogeyman is the little shoes trap. Ernest's logic behind it is that boogeymen love pre-adolescent footwear. Sure. Oh, right. It stands to reason. Which adds to the playing on kids' fears in this episode. It's like, yeah, kids, your feet are in danger. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Well, it also brings up the question, why does Ernest have kids' shoes? I feel like Ernest has all his old clothes. Oh, that's fine. I'd buy that. Or he just went and got... I can also see Ernest going into a shoe store and buying tons of baby (laughs) shoes. Excuse me. Where can I find the size zero and lower shoes? I've got a very important... Yeah, Yeah. I can totally see that happening. We haven't talked about um, Dust Bunny at all. Dust Bunny. Speaking of scary things. Yeah, because there's there's Arm of Vern, Leg of Vern, Sneeze of Vern. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a character called Dust Bunny who's, I think, probably the most upsetting puppet in this show. Yeah, he's kind of like Randy from a Pee-Wee's Playhouse. I'm pretty sure as a kid there was a puppet that used to scare me and I thought it was either from Pee-Wee's Playhouse or the Mario Brothers show and for whatever reason I couldn't find it but then when we were watching Hey Vern I'm like that might be what it was. That was it? That wouldn't surprise me. It's 
oh very God. upsetting looking. What? It's a mess. It looks like a dust bunny. It, I will give them that. Yeah. I think it's really just the eyes. The eyes the are eyes very are terrifying. Like, intense and terrifying. Yeah, they're just, just balls. Like, it's kind of like a vague fry kid sort of vibe yeah. to it. It is the eyes, I think, yeah. yeah. And it's the most insulting character. There's this and then like the ventriloquist dummy, which also shows up in this episode. Woody, the ventriloquist yeah. dummy, is Ernest. It he's is dressed Ernest. as Ernest, rather. He's not Ernest, but he's dressed as Ernest. Well, but Ernest, within the world of the show, is performing the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Correct? Y- okay. Well, that's iffy. Wait, um, why? Sometimes we see Woody without Ernest, and he's just talking. Are we assuming that Woody has a life of his own outside of Ernest's puppeteering of him, where he sounds exactly like he does when Ernest does puppeteer him? I don't yeah, know. I think so. Because we cut to away to Woody, and he is not being held by Ernest, and he's just talking. And he's also, in this episode, he talks, and he's nowhere near Ernest. Mm. This is the first episode we see Woody, and it's when Ernest goes into the basement to change a light bulb. Right. And out of nowhere, another terrifying thing is that we've never seen Woody before, and then out of nowhere, this ventriloquist dummy that looks exactly like Ernest pokes his head around a corner and is like, it's here, or something terrifying, and Ernest runs away screaming, yeah. which is the appropriate response. Woody's in the, the end credits photo montage, and when we saw the first episode, I was immediately like, oh, I want to see when the puppet shows up. And then the puppet showed up, and I was like, oh, okay. Hey. I mean, he's just kind of like another person to be a jerk to Ernest. Little... Like, <laughs> we don't, like we don't need to add to the laundry like list of people who are mean to Ernest. Ernest. No, because it's. Like... I don't mind characters that are mean to Ernest. If they're mean to him in a way that I find funny, I don't mind it. But I yeah. just think more often than not, it's just like, just wow, Ernest, you're stupid. Yeah. Wow, Ernest, you screwed up. And it's like. You really went out on a limb with yeah, that joke. got him. Yeah. But that is weird when it's Ernest performing Well, that's Woody. what confused me. I think that's just how Ernest sees himself really deep down. Woody is like the voice in his head that yeah, uh, tells him he it's sucks. the manifest of all of Ernest's... Uh, Insecurities. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I think Woody did make Ernest. I mean, sorry. I think Ernest... Whoa. <laughs> no. What are you talking about? I think Ernest made Woody. Mm. For sure. He's like, I'm going to make him eventually. It was me. That's the thing Ernest would do. And could a do. dummy me. He would do, get it? Okay. Where's that so, list of all of our puns? So, it's going to be for the last episode. I mean, by and large, the other attempts to catch the boogeyman are just ad gags. Yeah. There's the window, the slam, window slam. There's um. He sets a window slam things? trap. It backfires, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. The other terrifying thing in this episode is mm-hmm. the fake Ernest in the chair. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Oh, wait. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is it? Is it a potato? Is it uh? There's a fake Ernest. We don't get a warning. We don't get like eased into this. It's just suddenly cuts to it in our face. Yeah, it looks like it was made out of pantyhose that's been stuffed. I agree with that. Shaped into his head. Yeah, it's like then like painted on eyes or something. It's It's like a very '80s art project sort of vibe. Yeah, it's super creepy. Yeah, it's a fake Ernest, and then Ernest pops out behind it. He's like, "Fooled you, huh?" Like, no, no, Ernest, you did not. Well, fooled Uh, me insofar as I was immediately like, "Terrified, Ernest, are you okay?" Yes, terrified me, yes. Ernest, see a doctor. Ernest, Your face is horribly misshapen. How many Ernests has Ernest fashion out of various materials is what I want. Because we know he made an elephant him. There's an elephant dressed like him and Ernest That's goes to true. camp. There's Woody made out of wood. There's this Ernest. I mean, what better muse than <laughs> the visage of one Ernest P. Worrell? Ernest is, tr- is a true artist mm. because he has the battle between extreme insecurity and low self-esteem and pure narcissism. Mm. That's the artist struggle, isn't it? It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> This is where Ernest is, I think, the most childlike, right? Because he's scared of the boogeyman. You can't get more... Yep, scared of the boogeyman, scared of the dark. He has to go to the basement to change a light bulb, which means that he is an adult because mm-hmm. he's the one that has to do it, but he's also child-level scared of it. He has to do it insofar as he's an adult. It is 
Vern's house. Vern could also no. Vern's just watching. Change his own. Yeah. By the way, Vern's just like there with like a bowl of popcorn. Like I want to see where this goes. I do have to say he's not wrong. There is a boogeyman in this universe. And it actually does pull him under the bed. See, when Ernest is showing off his trap that has pre-adolescent footwear, he's like, oh, I have to make an adjustment. He crawls under the bed and he's like, hold my feet, Vern, hold my feet. Of course, Vern doesn't because if there's a way that Ernest can be taken out without Vern doing anything, (laughs) he'll let it happen. I won't kill you. But I don't have to save you. <laughs> yeah. So Ernest is like, pull my feet, Vern, pull my feet. And you just see Ernest get dragged under the bed. Oh, right. And mm-hmm. I remember that because I was like, that would be terrifying. Terrifying to kid. children. As a yeah. kid. There's a lot in this series that is not for children. Well, that or, could be possibly or, traumatizing. Correct. That seems But I wouldn't illiter- say that that's bad necessarily. Right. Oh, no, sure. And I'm, I'm on board for that. It just seems odd. I think they're not playing down to kids in this show, I think. Not in that way, no. I guess maybe my point more is that you don't see that often. Not anymore. And also sort of a recurring question that we often have, who is this for? Everyone, I think. No one was paying attention. Yeah. This show, I don't think anyone was yeah. paying attention. As in the higher-ups, they were not policing this show. Oh, sure. But the boogeyman is real in this world. There's there's something under that bed, yeah. You know what I found interesting? When Ernest gets pulled under the bed, he says that he sees the boogeyman. And he says, oh, He's horrible, he's... He's insincere. Ernest is Ernest. The worst thing to him is that something might be insincere. Oh, sure. No, (laughs) he's Ernest. That's a pretty great joke. (laughs) That's that's the biggest evil to Ernest. He's (laughs) insincere. The worst thing you can be to Ernest is insincere because Ernest is the personification of sincerity. Sure. In many ways, not in all ways. But yeah, like he tries to catch the boogeyman in various ways. But at the end, he does see the boogeyman. He's in the attic. He says he decided that the boogeyman isn't real after all, which is when he shows up. And Ernest just turns around and is like, not scared at all. The boogeyman runs away from Ernest. And then he's like, who was that? Snappy dresser. <laughs> A bit of an anticlimax. Auntie Nelda climax. Ah, oh, boy. What is Auntie Nelda doing this episode? Oh, that's right. She's the babysitter. Oh, this yes. This is great. Oh, that's great. Yes. These two kids, Jackie Welch is these two kids. And she's like, I'm sure you'll like the new babysitter. Her name is Auntie Nelda. Yes, that, okay, again, her name is her Auntie, name is Auntie Nelda. Nelda. Auntie Nelda comes in, there's a lightning strike as Auntie Nelda comes in. She's like, hi, kids. Yep. And then she says, Boy, are we going to have fun together. First, we're going to comb the tangles out of our hair with a metal brush. Yep. Which is like so specific. And also these kids look terrified. like terrified in a way that's like, they have never seen Jim Varney in this costume yeah. prior to this point. It's like, all right, we're going to have the kids here. We'll just, we'll bring Jim out and we'll, we'll just Are we going to tell them what's coming in? No, no. no we'll no. just record their initial reactions to this costume. And they just look like mortified. Does that statement about the metal brush lead us into the Earl the Barber segment? Possibly. Because that'd be very economical. The Earl the Barber segment, they kind of play to the scary theme by saying like, you know, first haircuts can be scary. Mm. This is where we learn that Ernest actually had his first haircut from Earl when he was three years old. How old old is Earl? Three years old. Earl is like, I feel like Earl's like 98 or something. (laughs) Like Earl's 100 years old. This is the one where Dr. Otto decides to be a dentist because he wants to hurt people. It'll be a success. My favorite thing about this is that Dr. Otto has a little poster that says Dr. Otto and then it's just like a happy tooth on it. I don't like, remember. Oh, like it's like a dentist it poster. Like yeah. you could send away for it. I just like the idea of Dr. Otto ordering this. Yeah. For My Father the Clown, I feel like there's no specific 
tie-in to my father the clown being scary other than that Eddie's I mean, life is a living nightmare well, day to day. My father the clown is constantly scary. Oh, Eddie. This is the one where Eddie and Skeeter both get seltzer bottles for their birthday from their father. And I feel so bad for this kid. He can't even get a, a custom birthday present. Right. And then he's like, I don't like it. And then like they're like, oh, maybe it doesn't work or you're not using it right. And let's see. And then they just spray the kid in the face. Yeah, and then they super push. Super bad parenting. And then they push his face into cake <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah. After that. This kid is so many problems seriously there's no way you can come back from this (laughs) he is the joker he is the joker i agree eddie is the joker and mac does some kind of amazing reading of a scary story with his roommate george on his shoulder and like it seems like the scary story he's reading is about describing yeah mac is a good actor i'd say this guy's is Mac Bennett. You said you were going to try to figure out the mystery of his eyes because he does go a really long time without blinking. Yes. No, oh, I, yeah. I, there was it's one, impressive. Yeah. Mac could go a long time without blinking. Maybe he's a robot. Maybe he's an iguana. Maybe he's an iguana that turned into a person. Exactly. That's probably what and happened. George is this a is person like a reverse that turned into an iguana. Yeah. yeah. This is a an animorph spinoff. Kafka-esque, Dave. Yeah. Episode four. Hey, Vern, it's movies. Okay. Ernest has nothing to do with the movies. He's yeah. not an actor. He's never been in films. Clearly. He's, he's excited because there's a movie concept where if you make a whole movie, you might get to go to Hollywood and be in a movie or something. And he's just like, hey, Vern, imagine me in the movies. That's a crazy thing, right? And you're like, okay, this is the world we're <laughs> it's in. It's cute. I like it. It's yeah, like, oh, it's like, oh, all right, I got it. This is funny. And he decides that his movie is going to be about a robot that captures a beautiful woman. Original. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of all Ernest's many talents, and I do think he is talented, his filmmaking, I think, is what he is the worst at. <laughs> sure. And he calls it Crocodile Ernie. Yeah, he pronounces it in a way that rhymes with Dundee. It's Crocodile Ernie! Yeah. Yes, that... God, this is such a stretch. And he decides he's going to be Crocodile Ernie by like, he just takes a sword that's just there because it's Jim Barney's house. Swords so are not sword, for decoration. There's a sword there, of course. And like, he picks it up and he starts swinging it around. He says like, he says Shimoda, which I think is just a city in Japan. <laughs> he says like, Shimoda, Bonsai, Arigato, Mogu Gai Pan. Which is oh, not Japanese. Yeah, it seems very dangerous even, to put in kids' Chinese. heads. Yeah. Yeah, he swings this sword around and he says that he's going to be Crocodile Ernie and he casts Willy the robot as his nemesis. Oh, right. right. And Vern as the cameraman. That's what made what you str- really happy. What's a stretch? Yeah. What a stretch. <laughs> he's like, Vern, I want you to be my cameraman. And it was like so many layers. Like my hands floated. <laughs> and Vern was like, I don't have any experience with this, yep. but yeah, he's very bad at He it. has a lens cap on. And this is where Ernest gets to lord over the fact that he knew that you should take the lens cap on. Off. Yeah, Not it's, it's a rare moment where Ernest actually does have a leg up on Vern because yeah. usually it's just a lot of posturing of like, Vern, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen to me. In but here case, it actually is. Yeah. yeah, he's actually on point. <laughs> this is where Ernest has a conversation with Dust Bunny where he's like, hey, Dust Bunny, I'll write you into my movie and we can hang out in Hollywood, which I feel like was a conversation that must have happened around the Ernest Brain Trust several replace, times. Replace Dust Bunny with like anyone of the Ernest. The yeah. Daniel Butler shows up in Ernest movies quite a bit. Oh, yeah. He's freaking sheriff in scared stupid oh crap yep blew your mind because the last time i saw that movie i did not know who daniel butler was mm-hmm. wow okay that's gonna be interesting when we get there but like Ernest's story is he's making his movie which is terrible but he's also at the movie theater a lot just watching movies and this is where some like really insane gags happen this is also one of my favorite things that ever happens in this show Ernest is at the movies and he's watching a movie where there's a conversation that's like we claim this land or we claim this mine this is ours and then like Ernest yells at the screen like don't trust him he's dangerous and the guy in the movie says who said that (laughs) (laughs) 
And they're like, oh, the guy in the brown hat. By the way, Cherry, it's khaki, man. Come on. And then, like, a person comes out of the movie and chases oh, yeah. Ernest out of the theater. Again, this is Jim Vardy's acting is the best part of this. Because when <laughs> Ernest realizes that they can hear him, he's stunned. and he's... As you should be, because that's not <laughs> how movies work. <laughs> right. His reaction is amazing. The take that he does. He also has a suspicious look on his face before he yells out, don't trust him, he's dangerous. Like, he actually does a little, like, head tilt, like, that's not trustworthy. And then he says it. The guy chases him, and J- Ernest has a giant tub of popcorn, popcorn yeah. that he spills everywhere when the guy like comes up he like he jumps out of his seat and the popcorn spills everywhere it's just i find I, it so well it's like muppet hair it's like you need something to give you that secondary action yeah, when yeah. you react to something it really yeah. emphasizes like the <laughs> distress well see now this is an instance where it actually is giving something good to children because it is impressing upon them don't talk at the movies or else <laughs> the characters Jeez. will come out of the screen and chase you out of the theater yeah that's a message you want to send absolutely i could not agree more there are many adults who do not follow I these messages that was a thing. Yes. Well, Ernest also has a problem where some guy with a giant mohawk and a boombox comes in and sits in front of him. Oh, right. Oh, and yeah. And then Ernest, like, moves out of the way, and the guy, like, holds up his boombox in front of Ernest, and poor Ernest is just trying to, like, see around this guy. Right. That gave us some movie flashbacks. <laughs> it movie did. experience flashbacks. It was really... Ah, oh, poor Ernest. And then Ernest is watching a movie called Clown Love, and this is where, like... <laughs> Oh boy. This is where the monster from Ernest Saves Christmas shows up. Oh yes, it's like legit the exact costume of like someone hooked a bunch of wires at the (laughs) creature from the Black Lagoon. The Christmas sleigh monster. That guy comes in and Ernest is just like, oh god. Ernest gets scared, like gives him his popcorn and says he already has like salt and slime on it, which is accurate. And then Ernest does the thing where he like, his hands walk away before he does, which I I love. It's like his hands crawl across the seat and then he leaves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's anticipation. It's anticipation. Ah, and then the creature proceeds to watch the rest of Clown Love, which appears to be a movie about Mike, the clown, the dad clown, and possibly his wife. It's a confusing, and it's kind of a funny song. He's asking the woman, can you fall in love with a clown? And she's like kind of singing yes, but he keeps like pieing her in the face, spraying her with salsa. It's just like (sighs) weird. This relationship has problems, (laughs) right? Regardless of context. Oh, yeah. What else happens in this? Oh, Mrs. Simon Simmons gives you advice like to leave a half an inch of liquid in your cup so you don't get the slurpy sounds. Oh, yeah. A lot I, of I was this, like, you know what? That's legit. A lot Bye-bye. of this is people annoyed at things that happen in movies yeah. and writing them into the episode. <laughs> There's a lot of weird Mac and George stuff in this one. Like, Mac is roller skating and then uh, he also plays... Oh, uh, George is roller skating and then he also plays the piano. They must have two iguanas. Yeah, because George oh, would just go across yeah. screen and then he'd go behind the couch. Yeah, yep. so across weird. the screen behind the couch, across the screen behind the house. It's hilarious. Like, Dr. Otto in this one, from the movie theme, he invents that sticky sludgy stuff that's on the bottom of theater floors. Instant sticky slimy sludgy gunk. I get the Rotary Award for this. Oh, by the way, this is the first time I think that Dr. Otto yells, Eureka, California! Mm. Which is one of my favorite things. And so is Eureka, California like a city? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's Mm. a place to play on. You think he's just going to be like Eureka and he yells Eureka, California. This is, by the way, the episode where Willie is selling concessions at a movie theater and he sells oh, Jackie yeah, he, Welch. He uses his head his as head. a bucket oh, right. to uh, give her popcorn. Right. Yeah. Like, he asks Jackie Welch, do you want larger party size? And she says, I'll take the party size. And he takes his head off. This is a children's show. 
The robot takes off his head, and not only does he take off his head, Willy oh, has a happy face. That's right. So when he takes his head off, the happy face, the emoji that I alluded mm-hmm. to earlier, becomes like a frowny face with two X's for yep, eyes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is a dead head. Yep. He, ge- he fills it with popcorn, and he gives it to her, and then he can't see, so she's like, she's trying to put the money. He also charges her like $150 for this. Yeah. I think it's fair, considering it's his head. And it becomes very much like evil robot Bill and Ted when they have no heads, like just sort of like- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bumping into things. And she's trying to put, like, the uh, money in his hand, and he can't get it. This is just reminding me, we also need to get to, at some point, the crossover between Ernest and Bill and Ted. Not in this episode. Later, guys. Um, And by the way, this is where there's a sign in the bag that just says Diamond World Pictures. That's right, which I appreciated. (laughs) Diamond World Pictures, of course, being the movie production studio from uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Auntie Nelda apparently owns the movie theater because she's cleaning it up and complaining. Mrs. Auntie Nelda. You know how people don't care about her or her movie theater. And then she becomes like a film critic. So Ernest finishes his film. Right. Feels very 1950s sci-fi. It's like a girl getting kidnapped by a robot. Ernest yeah. has to save her. They do show like some clips of Flash Gordon. That's another thing. This is thing weird. That... There's some like some stock footage things. that. Well, they... that's another thing that feels very Monty Python to me is just like using old footage out of context and like dubbing over new yeah, voices yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So there is like a lot of old Flash Gordon serial footage earlier in the episode with mm-hmm. different voices dubbed over. And this, this ending film that Ernest makes does feel very Flash Gordon-y in that way. Yeah, one of the Flash Gordon bits is like these two women and they're like, what they dubbed over it is like, we gotta find a way to kill all these roaches. And then they drop like a thing that explodes. (laughs) It's such a random... I like that dub. But Princess Static Kling, who is the girl that Willie captures in Ernest's movie, it's just like a doll but with Marilyn Monroe's face taped on it. That's correct. Like a picture of Marilyn Monroe's face. They they took down one of Jim Varney's posters. They're like, Jim, do you mind if we use this? They cut her face out. Yeah, that's what it was. And it was next to that. the bogey. And Don't like, worry, we'll buy you a new one. We'll, we'll charge it to the production. CBS has got it covered. Charge, yeah, credit Jim Varney. Yeah, just Varney Productions. Productions will take care of it. It's called Princess Static Kling. Mm-hmm. And so Willie comes in, um, captures Princess Static Kling, to which Ernest responds, Willie has, has stolen my girl and dishonored me. And by the way, the way we meet Princess Static Kling is like Ernest is just like proposing to her. As, and the way he proposes to her is to say, You are the most beautiful woman in the world. We must be married. Which That's is love. Ernest's concept of love. Yeah. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. Uh, so Ernest's movie uh, gets reviewed by it's various terrible. characters oh, from the show. See, Ernest, I think, is really talented, but his movie is just bad. Do you blame Vern's camera work? Vern's camera work is not good. I mean, like, it's a component. Yeah. For sure. There are no cuts. There's just swish pants. Well, I mean, you know why? It's it's because Vern is like 90 years old, so he can't he, <laughs> he can't support he the weight of the camera. He might not have legs. How yeah. old are you? We, we, we've talked before about how Vern might be like a ball of light or one of those batteries not included robots. Yeah, yeah. I really like that idea. Though. Yeah, but Ernest's movie is terrible. It's played for some reason in a movie theater because people <laughs> watch it at the movies. Ernest defeats Willie somehow by swinging a sword around that's mm-hmm. still sheathed. And then <laughs> Princess Static Kling says she doesn't love Ernest. She loves Willie. And Ernest just takes it in stride. He's like, oh, we will live to fight another day. He kind of makes up with Willie. He just says, see you later, alligator. And then Willie says, after a while, crocodile. And then Ernest just kind of beams at the camera like, did it. Well, because he's crocodile Ernie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nailed it. Yep. <laughs> why did wait? Why did Ernest write that the girl wants Willie instead of him? Why would he write that into his movie? Yeah, sounds, I don't know. Sounds kind of depressing. Maybe it was. <laughs> like maybe, he doesn't think he's good enough. Maybe it was like oh, an, maybe it was an improv from the uh, robot actor, the synthespian. 
I don't think so. Wait, who did? Wait a minute. Who did the voice of Princess Static Kling? It was definitely a woman's voice. So that narrows it down to two people. It's either um, <laughs> the mom from My Father the Clown. I assumed it was Clown Mom. One of the neighborhood housewives from Ernest's I guess neighborhood. He it. Okay, yeah. Doom, doom, doom. Excuse me, Mrs. Clown. Uh, can I, Mrs. The Clown? <laughs> could I borrow you for a second? No, I just need exactly to uh, okay. just need to record this voice for my film. And then Eddie was left alone. <laughs> Poor Eddie. And then we see that, like, the entire audience, this is where all the kids boo. That's right. So we haven't really talked about this. The kids' heads. There are, the kids there are heads. interstitials of just, like, <laughs> kids' heads, and they'll just, like, cut to them randomly and, like, react to whatever's happening. So, like, Ernest will do something silly, and then he'll just cut to, like, a little girl's face, and she'll just go, Ernest! That kid does not look amused. Yeah, at all. no. Or there'll be kids going, like, uh-oh. Or yeah. something like that. Uh-oh. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, all the kids Boo! Uh, Auntie Nelda says, it had its moments, and all of them were bad. That's a good one. And then, of course, Dr. Otto gives it three, three thumbs, thumbs up. up. Because <laughs> how else could you? And Dr. Otto acknowledges that he's terrible, and that it's terrible, and that's why he loved it. Oh, yeah. Dr. Otto was kind of like, like Oscar the Grouch a little bit. A little, but he's more gleeful, Oscar the Grouch. Oh, sure, yeah. Auntie Nelda slams his film, probably in the local paper. Wasn't that fun? She calls it passe. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That Auntie Nelda, she's kind of an art snob, you gotta, you gotta admit. <laughs> it's no Van Eyck portraiture in Vern's house, no. but, but what is? The episode ends with Ernest getting a rejection letter. The letter says Hollywood loved his movie, but he's not getting the part. As it turns out, they want Willie. Interesting. Because everyone loves Willie in this movie, and Auntie Nelda said the robot was flawless. I don't remember what the actual goal was. It was They were looking for an actor or a writer. Ernest said he could be the star of a movie if he made one. Oh, okay, one. so acting. It's the, kind of ambiguous if they're looking for a director slash actor. Right, or maybe just like some all-around talent that Ernest is. Well, then they cut to Willie, and he's sitting in a producer's chair mm. so I, it, that confounds it further i mean as a robot he would be better at like scheduling and budgetary concerns things of that nature yeah, yeah absolutely all right well people love that robot <laughs> it's just another ending where ernest gets the he gets shafted yeah ernest does not come out on top I, but it's his movie and it's his they show they liked his stupid movie yeah whatever they, he, I will say that Ernest is usually a good actor, but his acting in that movie was not good. Well, maybe it's the kind of thing where it's like he tried too hard. Like yeah, he, was, he, he, was he needed it. to just like relax and yeah. let, let the acting <laughs> <You're> come <right>. forth. <laughs> he overthought Crocodile Ernie. Yeah. All right, it wasn't genuine enough for him. He couldn't connect to it. Yeah, it wasn't like a meaty role, like say that of uh, like an Ottoman Empire uh, person yeah. or something. <laughs> Okay. So episode five is magic. Hey, Vern, it's magic. <laughs> you know. I was going to say this one is bizarre, but they all are. But this one, magic. <laughs> this one, Ernest, like, loses a dog in the abyss. That's true. There is some sort of subspace vortex inside this magic box that uh, Ernest oh, owns. Yeah. It starts out, and he's, now he's trying out being a magician, because we don't have enough of that on this show. He's got kind of like a... Uh, doesn't exist though. <laughs> He's got some kind of like a, a New Year's hat on that's supposed to like be that, analogous that took to me a uh, forever a wizard to realize hat. that he was passing it off as a wizard hat. Oh yeah, it's what Ernest imagines a magician to look like. I assume a wizard or a wizard. Sure, that's true. I mean, I think wizards are magicians, and he has a wand. He right. he has more of like a fairy wand, whereas yeah, a magician yeah, of wand he does. is. I mean, it depends on what what era little, of magic little, you're thinking of. Yeah. So the first thing he does is 
Um, he's got the magic box. Yeah, it's very much like the Aztec tomb That's from Arrested what Development. I was trying to think of. Yes, but Ernest just calls it a magic box, which it is. He takes Vern's dog Shorty. This time again, uh, a different species of dog. <laughs> yeah, every time, <laughs> as usual. Yep. And uh, puts Shorty in the box. Shorty disappears. Sounds like a rap video. <laughs> Shorty in the box. Shorty in the box. <laughs> Shorty in the box. <laughs> Ernest does make some sort of like vague beatboxing drum roll that I wish I could replicate. Oh, and he, he says this is yeah. He's like, that's a drum roll, Vern. But I can't, I can't make that sound he, for the life of me. It's like it? <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. And now <clears throat> that's a drum roll, Vern. I also liked his his magic words were like, he says something like eyes and spleen, and then he says, Magic box, make this doggone dog gone. Know what I mean? And he beams at the camera because he. I love when Ernest is, is so I mean, delighted by things that he's just said. And yeah. he smiles real hard at the camera. And then later he says viola instead of That's voila. That's my favorite. Okay. Another malapropism. It's my favorite thing, but that and Eureka, California from Dr. Otto <laughs> is my favorite when Ernest yells viola and like opens the door. <laughs> <laughs> He owns like four of them in the background. That's true, Those next to the mandolins. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> so throughout the episode, Ernest is trying to uh, bring back the dog that yeah, he has the put dog into the magic box. Yeah, the dog does not box. actually come back. That's the issue. The dog doesn't come back. And every time it's like another yeah, he composited keeps opening the magic door. He's like, this time for item. real, I have your dog. And yeah. it's, it's like Auntie Nelda or Chattering Teeth. Correct. At one time, it's a pizza. Man, I want pizza now. Once it's George, the iguana. <laughs> Can we talk about George in this episode, oh my please? Dad. Because so, yeah, George. What's going on? Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Right after the dog uh, opening segment, the next segment is George and Mac, the, the classic duo. They've taped this poor iguana's hand to a saw. Oh he's sawing, he's sawing through the box, and uh, Mac introduces this as like. Well, Mac's inside. You have to Mac, Mac is inside the box. Mac is inside the box that is going to be sawed in half. It's in the process of being sawed in half. Yeah, George is sawing away. Right, sawing away with his little lizard hands. And Mac. The thing I like about Mac is that all of this, like, nonsense is constantly happening with his roommate. The fact, his roommate is an iguana. He doesn't bat an <laughs> <No>. eye. <laughs> Mac is very, like, blasé. Like, he's just, oh, like, yeah. nothing phases him. Usual. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, you know, George's girlfriend was out of town. That's the be- oh, That's amazing, too. He's like, George is going to be a magician. And since his girlfriend's out of town, I'm going to fill in as the... <laughs> as the lovely assistant, <laughs> of yeah. Of course, George is an iguana. Well, I assumed, and you guys can tell me if you think the same thing. I assumed that his girlfriend was the space the lizard from... that he met in the uh, the outer space. I episode. assumed it was a human. Oh. Uh, I, 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 I assume it's a human. Is this, woman. Like, is this like a uh, some sort of and Max just King like, Kong wow. sort of scenario, except opposite scale wise? No, I think it is just that no one at all addresses the fact that George is an iguana. Interesting. So like it's like, boo. so or like, who's the corpse? What's that? That sketch that I did in college. <laughs> I know, but for the sake of our listeners. Oh, it was a sketch where this guy had a roommate who was dead and no one acknowledged it. Yeah, and they yeah. just all treated him like he was alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. It's, yeah. it's just no one is acknowledging the fact that George is a iguana. So he just does everything normal and I assume has a perfectly normal human girlfriend. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'd probably buy that. Yeah. I think what I like about George and, and Mac is their humor is just like a very like specific sweet spot of absurdity for me right. where it's just like this is an iguana doing these things and his human roommate is just totally cool whatever oh it's george yeah. he's sawing a box in half i yeah. trust him whatever yeah it's fine and i think it works best that he's an iguana like if it was like a, 
And I know this sounds weird, but like... Because it's emotionless. Yeah, because he has no emotion in the face with all the stuff that he's doing. So when you see him bobbing around playing tennis, like he just has these like dead eyes. And, you know, oh, yeah. But then like if it was like a dog who looks like happier, yeah, it'd be funny, right. but right. not nearly as funny as an iguana. No, you're right. Because he looks totally apathetic as he's sawing. Right. Well, in my notes, I wrote down, I just want a gif of the emotionless George sawing expression. Right. Where he's <laughs> just no like going... ever. Going back. Yeah, he's just like... He almost looks like he has some sort of evil intent. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I don't trust George. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's why it's sinister because Max sinister is, is a good word for it. He's yes. giggling like, oh my gosh, that tickles. And you're like, oh my God, you're going to die. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this you're is, gonna die. everything about this is so close to going south. I can't even tell you. <laughs> this is the My Father the Clown one we were already talked about where like Eddie's like, how come Skeeter thinks you're funny and I don't? Oh, right. And then he gets like, Well, pie. because you take after your mother's side of the family. You don't have a sense of humor. Which is odd because <sighs> earlier in that same exact episode, the dad, the clown, comes home and is like, oh, I, I wasn't funny at work today. What and I like mo- is that he comes is- and he goes, ta-da. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's bummed out. But, but then the mom is like, oh, I'm sure you were funny. But she might not know what that means. I don't she just know that they that- don't have a sense of humor. I don't either. Those clowns are not funny. I was just going to say, I would make the argument argument that the clown side of the family has no sense of humor. Yeah. Because nothing they do (laughs) is in any way funny. It's all like a caricature. Oh, you know what it is? It's a cartoony version of what people think is funny. Yeah. It's like banana peels. If they laugh this hard at two banana peels. Yeah. (laughs) Four times it's out of four banana peels. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that it is a caricature of a clown actually works in the scenario. In that case, it works because of the scenario. Exactly. Because it's like, oh, we're taking this thing. Let's plop it into 1950s sitcom nuclear family father knows best nonsense. Because it is hilarious when in this one, mom and Eddie get pied in the face as usual. But Eddie just sits there completely motivated. And they're just both like, well, I guess, I guess this, this is, is where life, I'm. At. This is where I'm at right now. Yeah. <laughs> From there, it's like a, you know, from pie in the face, we get the very obvious segue to Auntie Nelda talking about uh, fake barf. Seriously? Yes. Oh, this is where she talks. She calls it upchuck. Yes. Is this rubber upchuck to love? Your mother should have had rubber upchuck this good. She likes those? She's just showing off like gag products, right? Like (laughs) Like Ernest? What I remember from this episode is Ernest and Woody, because Ernest actually does the drinking water bit while he does ventriloquism with Woody. And it is just Jim Varney doing ventriloquism while drinking a glass of water. Oh, yeah. He's just spilling it all over his shirt as he talks. Which I like because then it's drawing attention to the unsuccess. That's That's how Ernest would... What's the verb for to ventriloquist? I don't know, ventriloquize. (laughs) That's not bad. So it draws attention to how Ernest would would ventriloquize. I'm not convinced this is a word, but let's go with it. No, I just like that there's no effect to it. It's just Jim Varney drinking a glass of water and doing this dummy. Yep. I'm not convinced that Jim Varney is any better at ventriloquism than Ernest is. That's fair. We have no evidence for the contrary, no, is what I'm saying. No, we don't. Unless, uh, listeners, uh, Justin Lloyd, if you're listening, <laughs> can you send us any uh, footage of oh, no. Jim Varney doing ventriloquism that no. you might have lying around? Yeah, that's likely. Also in this episode, there's like a, another song from uh, Jackie Welch. Oh, I like this song. I do too. It feels very like Sesame Street. It's like Motown. She's singing My Baby is Magic. Yeah. It's just a song about her, She's got, her like, boyfriend a fake being m- a magician. Yeah. His face is funny, but I don't care when he looks in my eyes and pulls a fish from my hair. Ooh. Are we to take that her boyfriend is existing? I hope not. <laughs> she could do better. Way better. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry Existo. Existo. 
Hashtag sorry, Existo. <laughs> but she's cool. She pulls out a fish from her hair. I just like when she pulls out things. She goes, ooh. It's a fun song. It's a fun little sketch. Yeah, there's some fun songs in this show. Why don't you be the moon for a while? The Sergeant Glory segment in this is, I think, what tells you the moral of this particular episode. His thing is, if you make something disappear, bring it back. I think, you know, there's a recurring theme in the episode. Everyone is kind of drawing attention to the fact that Ernest has made this dog disappear and can't get it back. That's right, actually. Uh, Everyone's Woody ragging is, on him. I yeah. mean, Woody and Dust Bunny are, are ragging on him, but well, that's actually all Woody and Dust do. Bunny do. Yes. Well, <laughs> until we get to later, where Woody has another interaction with a character that I enjoy. Speaking of characters that I enjoy, Earl in this episode, we cut to him and he's uh, shining his shoe with a toothbrush, and then <laughs> he proceeds to put the toothbrush into his mouth, and then just like kind of spits it off to the left, and then ushers Ernest into the the barbershop like it's uh, the room. Oh, hi, Ernest. <laughs> and this is the one where Earl miss. Here's Wall Street Tycoon to As be windswept sand, sand dune. dune. I feel like the writers must have laughed pretty hard when somebody wrote that, like windswept trying to like rhyme that. And <laughs> like, oh, windswept sand dune. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go with it. We won't that get to that one, one until at least episode six right. or seven. But that one is funny. There's like a little bucket and shovel under his head. That's true. It almost for for a second I thought he had like a whale on his head or something. Yeah, it's the shape of it. Yeah, it's kind of whaleish. I mean, it's windswept. Yeah. So the whole episode is Ernest trying to bring back Shorty, but he's also doing a card trick with Vern where he tries. Oh, that's right. He tries to guess the card that Vern picked out and fails and fails and fails. But then like the very last card is the one that Vern picked. And Ernest is like, well, that's the last card. But then he's like, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he turns it around. It is pretty amazing. In terms of Ernest finding the dog, he actually has to then venture into this is the- weird. This he has is to venture weird. into the magic box and it becomes some sort of like Bill and Ted purgatory black space. What? Yeah. He falls. Yeah. Like in slow motion. Oh, there's like, a, there's like a vortex. Yeah. yeah. And then when he lands, it's just like blackness and a door. And a door. It's like a Where play. Where is he? He's, he's like, it's that, uh, that episode of Family Ties. It's the pit of ultimate darkness. What happens? He finds the- the dog. the dog is there. This is weird. Yeah, okay. When he lands in the pit of ultimate darkness, the door is there. He goes through the door. Right. It's just a freestanding door. There's no anything. Correct. But he opens it and goes through it and sees the dog. He picks it up and then he can't get back through the door so he knocks. At which point we go back to Vern at Vern's house and he opens his front door and Ernest is standing at the front door. What I think is if this show had any kind of a budget, Ernest would have opened the door in the black subspace void. Yeah. And it would have just immediately led into Vern's house, not out of the box that's you in Vern's house. You would have followed like But you would have followed Ernest behind Ernest and, and gone, through yeah. Vern's front door in some sort of weird magic vortex sort of way. But because we don't have any money, Vern this is how it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's a portal. Ernest just kind of wraps it up by saying like, you know, I guess you can't teach an old dog new tricks. He says he's checked to see that the dog had all its parts. True. But then after he makes that bad joke, like the dog starts chasing him. That's, yeah. And Ernest makes these sounds. The sounds that Ernest makes. It's like, I can't replicate <laughs> them either. <laughs> it's like the badger thing. Don't do this to a wild It is kind of like that, but I just, wild, I, I enjoy those sounds immensely. <laughs> yeah, I love those. That's magic. Episode six is Haver and his sports. Uh, so I, yes. Okay. Ernest the Furnace. Ernest the Furnace. This is the episode with the most vocal Vern ever. Yeah, Ernest's um, goal of this episode is to win $10,000 by wrestling a wrestler called Chainsaw Chester. It's a Spider-Man thing, I guess. <laughs> He's wrestling Bonesaw. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with Bonesaw. I was just going to say, it does feel very Spider-Man. He's got to earn that money to uh, help out Uncle Ben. Chainsaw is ready. 
<laughs> what are you doing up there? He's like, I can win $10,000. And don't I look like the kind of guy that can use $10,000? <laughs> oh, does he say that? Yes. <laughs> and he does. Oh, oh Ernest. Ernest. You do, but you well, don't He wasted need all it. that purity money. So he's like. So he declares that he's going to beat Chainsaw Chester. The possibility that he could possibly not win doesn't seem to ever enter his mind. That's pretty much a constant for Ernest in general. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to try everything. I'm going to win this movie contest. Yep. I'm, I'm going to win my own costume contest. I'm going to get the Somehow. I'm going to get the land back from the... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm Ernest. Whatever it takes. I probably will succeed, even though I never have before. It's the first time for everything. First thing he does is figure out a wrestling name because priorities. Sure. Ernest the Furnace. The whole episode, he's just like training with a, what's that called? The punching bag? Oh, he's, right. Yeah, it's like a speed bag. He hits oh. himself in the face. Yeah, I remember commenting while we were watching this episode because he's doing like things where like he's hitting the speed bag and it's like hitting him hitting in the, the face. face yeah. It was very reminiscent of him with the rider truck door. But like, yeah. <laughs> I've done stuff with a speed bag before. It's really hard. Like, you have to get a rhythm to get, going. To hit and... yourself in the face? Well, I mean, I was just impressed that he could do that. Uh, one of the other things I appreciate about Ernest in this episode is the uh, increasing ridiculousness of the wrestling getup that he wears uh, at one point yeah. he legit just looks like hulk hogan he's got like glasses <laughs> and like a cape and it's like red and yellow and i was waiting for him to like <laughs> you know brother his, old... his latent hulkamania is taking effect <laughs> there is a part where ernest is jumping rope in mm-hmm. Vern's backyard the daredevil the... training facility yeah he's jumping rope and then it cuts to the mom from my father the clown watching him through the window right she's watching him work out but then like <laughs> then you hear her voice over and she's like Oh, that Ernest is always up to something. I hope my boys grow up to be just like him. It cuts to my father, the clown, and there's like an internal monologue of yes. the mom. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's very odd because that doesn't happen in any Ever. of the other episodes and that we've, we've never, seen of her. Yeah. I didn't know, realize that she could see into Burton's backyard either. It reminds me of like a, a weird gag from like Airplane. This uh, husband and wife are on the plane. The husband places a dinner order and the the wife just has like an internal monologue. that's like, oh, Ralph never orders that at home. It feels very much like a leftover 70s like housewife thing. We just feels never, like something- ever hear her internal it feels monologue. like a trope that I can't put my finger on, but like something about it is familiar. It made anyway. me think that she was like seriously considering for a second having an affair with Ernest because... <laughs> and you couldn't blame her for that either? <laughs> I'm sure Eddie is praying that that happens. <laughs> Wait, Eddie is praying for that? He's like, why can't I just have a normal dad? And then his new dad is just Ernest. Ernest. <laughs> Well, well, be careful what you wish for, Eddie. But Ernest would be an upgrade, let's be honest. Oh, sure. No, I know. But he just opens the door and he's like, Your mom hole? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because she's saying boy. things like, Mike's been so busy at the circus lately. Hey, where's my kiss? And I was just like, I would understand. I would understand. <laughs> wow. I'm not advocating infidelity or adultery of any kind. I'm just saying. This poor woman. No, she, has a, this, she's living in a living nightmare. Yeah. Let's be clear. I'm not convinced she doesn't live inside like a snow globe or something. So there's some sort of Rod Serling nightmare? Yes, yes. Oh, I just realized that the fact that the theme of this episode is sports is why when we see Earl the barber, he's sitting in his chair doing like chair exercises. Oh, yeah. He's like using his foot to spin himself around in the barber chair, like pushing off. He's like, yeah. That's what sports is. This is the episode where Earl the barber gives Ernest an oriental typhoon on his head. This one confused me. Windswept sand dune, I will accept. Oriental typhoon, I was just like, all right, hold on a second, Earl. Oriental typhoon. I'm not sure if he said. That. It sounded very much like Oriental Typhoon to like, me. I don't know but what then he says, the word would be, but I feel like it's not that. I thought you said an 
Oriental Typhoon. It doesn't make sense because then he says, look, you can see Toto and Dorothy. That's true. It doesn't make sense. He had a stroke. It's a Kansas typhoon. Right. Ernest says, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Earl. Listeners, if you've watched this episode (laughs) and you have any clue what they're saying, give us a shout out because um, we are confounded by Earl's slurls. Oh, okay. This is the episode where Auntie Nelda, she's a cheerleader for Ernest. She's like, they needed a peppy young woman. (laughs) She's amazing. Oh, yeah, no. It's just that the the sexy factor is dialed down. Yeah, it is. But then she's also a pool shark in this episode. That was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. She's like, do I use this little thing? Well, you you called out the what she says, like, do I use this chalk on the end of the stick? And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to hustle them. Just like (laughs) that episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And she's like, beginner's luck, I suppose. (laughs) I want to hang hang out with Auntie Nelda. Are you sure? Yes. (laughs) Because I feel like I she would... She will make you feel bad about Oh, I yourself. know. But I feel like I would get her sense of humor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the way she just stands and watches all the balls go in. Oh, yeah. With total indifference. I mean, she's got a pretty great poker face for uh That's for, it. For hus- she has a poker hustling. face. Yeah. yeah. It's usually derision. The main expression oh, yeah. it's, that she it's has. It's silent on. judgment. Sure. Yeah. There's also Mac and George playing a variety of sports. They play football and Mac actually kicks George. Oh, right. <laughs> and onto a goal. Yeah. yeah. Instead of the ball. Oh. Oh dear. Oh yeah, he does pinball. Yeah. Oh, I think oh, that's right. That was I think George is playing pinball solely so that they can make the joke pinball lizard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was gonna say pinball is not a sport. It's a game. Well that... sports and games, sure. That's what this episode should have been titled, like Trivial Pursuit. Because they also play um charades or something. Chuck oh, and Bobby dude. are playing Oh, that's right. Yeah, they're playing charades, but they also are playing tennis, I think. This is like a joke that took me way too long to get because Chuck yells like, Remember Bobby, I'm your brother, but in this game, love means nothing. Oh, right, yeah. And it took me forever. Oh, Aaron. Forever. (laughs) That's okay. It was like the fourth watch, and I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just thinking about how I'm your brother, but this is war. I wasn't thinking. Love means nothing. Love has enemies. I've never played tennis. In conclusion. Yes. Ernest the Furnace, he's all decked out. He's got his costume on. It's like a robe with flames. Yeah. With like cartoony flames. You know, as, as pro wrestling costumes go, it fits right in. It, I could see him being like in, in <laughs> yeah. the 80s WWF. He's got a hood. Yeah, he definitely. Peter Parkered it. He's yeah. got a hood on over sure. his hat, of course. He's dancing around in the backyard like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. At which point, Chainsaw Chester shows up. From behind like a short why? I didn't realize they were. He would go to their houses. Did they have to fill out a form where Ernest wrote Vern's address in? <laughs> Probably. So like, come attack me here. Yep. So like, so Chainsaw Chester runs up on Ernest. Well, he was like, oh, uh, you can come and meet me at the Daredevil training camp run by my <laughs> my best friend Vern. Run by my best friend Vern. Yeah. And because he's like, where's this Ernest? I'm gonna tear him apart. And this is. Possibly the most deplorable thing Ernest has ever done. Oh, yeah. Possibly. Oh, yeah. Ernest basically throws Vern under the bus. <laughs> into the chainsaw. Yeah. Vern, his poor put-upon put 90-year-old neighbor friend slash nuclear physicist. That's Ernest. The furnace. I'm, I'm shish kebab. The pressure goes. Yeah! Chainsaw Chester charges Vern, yep. and this is where we get the most vocal Vern, because I'm pretty sure he actually says no. <laughs> 
<laughs> Vern is screaming as loud as he can to still be Vern. Yep. And Ernest, by the way, you can still see Ernest in the background, just kind of dancing around, like like watching, and I think making celebrating like, his success, gestures. I think he's just kind of like oh, like, like a coach kind of a thing. Yeah. Give him a left hook. And... I can't tell because it's so chaotic, and but I can see that Ernest is is dancing from foot to foot. And I don't right. Know why. It is one of the funniest things ever. And then you get the little kid box. Ernest. Yeah, that girl. The graphic of a little girl's head in a box. She's going, Ernest. I kind of want that as just a thing I can send to people when they're uh, when I'm cross with them. Yeah, and then that leads into the most appropriate use ever of the hospital gag. I was just going to say, and that's how Vern ends up in the hospital this time. <laughs> we never see how Vern ends up in the hospital. Well, now we do. And Ernest just comes in and does the usual, like, thanks a lot. And he's like, you're a great friend for sticking up for me or for, like, stepping in for me. Like, no, Ernest, no. How would you have reacted if when Ernest uh, threw Vern under the chainsaw, Vern was just like, no, 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 that's Ernest. And then walked away. Vern can't talk. See, this is a disadvantage. Yeah, he's mute. He just can go. If only he could speak. Oh, what would those Verns say? (laughs) If those Verns could talk. Ernest. And then we're on to uh, episode seven. Hey, Vern, it's pets. You know, this is actually very sweet. You know how much Ernest loved dogs? Oh, sure. Because you've seen him kiss a lot of them. Well, I actually had the idea that is this how he ended up with a dog in later films? Like, is this where we first get, like, the inkling of, like, uh, oh, I mean, he's been with a dog in a couple of wait commercials. Wait You're blowing my mind. Okay. Because <laughs> in the next movie that happens after this. That's where he first he has, has a dog. He first has a dog. Yeah. And Scared Stupid, he does, uh, too. <laughs> ah! You're this welcome. is where he got the dog. Yep. Wait, oh is it the God. same dog in the two movies? It's no, not. No, it's a dog. But it's a it's, dog. It's like a tiny um, Jack Russell Terrier. Yeah, is yeah, it? called a Rimshot. Oh, that's a great name, Ernest. Yeah. But in this episode, Ernest really wants to buy a dog named Rover. His I guess dream I, dog. Yes. The premise of this episode is Ernest really wants to buy this dog from the pet store, but it costs a hundred dollars. Right. We know it costs a hundred dollars because Ernest has a little think bubble that comes out of his head and shows us the dog that has a tag on it that says a hundred dollars. I mean, that's that's solid visual storytelling right there. It seems like, not just in this show, but also in the ads, that Ernest's thought bubbles aren't his imagination they're so much like as they omnis- are windows into reality. They're like omniscient projections of reality somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's just like a, he has a video camera somewhere. Lots of the things in Ernest's life are video cameras. <laughs> his best friend, his thought bubbles. Thoughts. I, I really appreciated that one of the things Ernest says about what his dream dog would be able to do, of course, is to bring home a carton of milk. Yeah. Because if there's one thing that Ernest likes, it's, it's, it's milk products. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that's not how dogs work. but In Ernest's mind, that's how they work. <laughs> but he said he dreams of the pitter-patter of little doggy feet or something like that. That's true. But Ernest would be great with a dog. Oh, sure. And, and we know that we he know would that. be. Yeah. yeah. We have later evidence. So his idea to earn $100, because I guess he doesn't have a job. To earn $100? I know. I When it came out of my mouth, I yeah. was like, this feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, his, his strategy is to run a pet daycare center, because that's clearly the easiest way to to earn a hundred dollars aka Vern's living room this is where he's like oh hey Vern I hope you don't mind me using your living room and that's where I think it finally clicked for me that I was like okay this is not Ernest's living room because it looks like Jim Varney's living room right this is Vern's living room Got it. I don't buy that Vern is a huge Chaplin fan. Uh, you know, maybe he just likes a thrift shop where he just gets like, <laughs> oh, this poster's 50 cents. I'll get it. Whatever. <laughs> but Ernest has brought in cages and cages and cages of various pets. It's yeah, and he's like, got like a couple of like... Uh, he's really going. Pet store the entire workmen neighborhood like helping was like, sure. Yeah. Speaking of the rest of the neighborhood, uh, we also see that um, Mac and George are getting in on the pet oh, business because... sinister. Because George is building a cage. <laughs> A large and cage. And Mac is inside. And Mac, well, not at first. First, he's just like putting it 
together and hammering uh, it. Max like not convinced. He's like, well, George says it's fun, but I don't really see what the big appeal is of building this cage. He's like, well, I wonder what kind of pet he's gonna get. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, no. I'm like, oh dear, this is the premonition <laughs> of the upcoming iguana weird. uprising. Yeah. <laughs> this is like yeah. Planet of the Georges. I'd uh, watch that. This, absolutely. This whole series has like an odd darkness that I really approve of. <laughs> this is like the bizarro suburbs. Or like, there's something oh, wrong yeah, with this neighborhood. Mm, this well, is- that's a very 80s idea. I mean, especially around this time because you had stuff like Erie, Indiana. You had yeah, the yeah. film The Burbs. Yeah, uh, right. There was always like strange things happening in the suburbs. There was a lot of people, is- writers that lived in the suburbs getting super bored. I oh, yeah. Guess. Who else is around in the neighborhood? Oh, um, the clown mom actress, but not the clown mom character shows up. A woman. A woman <laughs> from the neighborhood. She's got like one of those 80s like star Her sweaters. sweaters. Yeah, I thought she was kind of hot. But anyway. She is. Specifically in this because character. Because of the crappy sweater? Yeah. Okay. Just go with it. Okay. Uh, so she's trying to get Ernest to babysit her it's like a, a cockatoo or something. Right. It's just this big bird. She's like, I, yeah, can you watch Cochise? And she says, hey, I'll give you an extra 50 bucks if you can teach Cochise to talk. Now, do you guys know anything about birds? Nope. Nope. I was just curious if this is actually the type of bird you could teach to talk. I think you might be able to. Okay. I'm not sure what type Listeners, of bird it is. Once again, we rely on you. <laughs> so Ernest is immediately like, 50 bucks, that's great. But if, if he needs 50 bucks for this one bird, like, right. what is he charging for everything else? A dollar an hour? What is he charging? Uh, for? He's got a ton of pets. I would not be surprised if Ernest did not have a clear grasp of <laughs> how much to, to charge things. Oh, like Ernest. That. But, the, but that's how he got so many freaking pets, though. Right. He understood sold every all the other pet daycare centers in the neighborhood yeah i mean that's that'll do it Ernest, we need the little girl <laughs> in the box gonna be that little, you're gonna be that little girl from here on out <laughs> boo, boo. Uh, uh, oh you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah uh-huh mm. yeah we're just gonna do this for the next half hour <laughs> So Ernest basically spends most of this episode trying to teach this bird to talk. Correct. Through threats of violence. The first thing he tries is like, yeah, come on, let's talk. And as soon as that doesn't work, he's like, well, I'm... I'm, I'm Forget this. Let's move on You're to torture. Die. Yeah, like yeah, he does an interrogation room setup. He's it's dark and he's got the one light. Well, I think overhead. I think the reason he does the interrogation room setup is simply for the the ability to say the phrase "We have ways of making you talk." Yes, uh, and then from there. Well, then he lifts up a little rotisserie chicken. Right. <laughs> into the frame and like gives it to this bird, which I feel like I would be upset. I feel like that's psychological torture for a bird. If I was that lady in the sweater, I would not be having that. Right. Well, I mean, she didn't specify. How? Yeah. By any means necessary? I don't know. He says something like, Unzip the lip or I will give the bird a flip. And he's got a spatula in mm. his hand. It's a threat. It's just threats. Yeah. But we also do see him like still taking care of the pets. Right. At one point he reads them a, a nap time story. He's also feeding them like sandwiches. Human sandwiches, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean not sandwiches with human like meat on them, <laughs> but like sandwiches for humans. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bird food. You know, we've talked a lot about how Ernest always has like a recurring storyline that sort of runs through each episode. Mm-hmm. And the other characters don't really. Not thought, usually. Not usually. But this episode is actually kind of unique in that it has like the most Chuck and Bobby stuff happening. Usually they have like, you know, one or two bits with their shtick. But in this one, they actually have like four like recurring segments where they're talking about. Um, oh, right. They're both, they're 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 both the like dogs. dog catchers and they're trying to catch yeah. uh, something or other. And they. This is where Chug is purporting to be able to speak dog talk. Right. He says, I can talk dog talk. Look. Yeah. Yeah, at some point they bait a dog Flawless. and it turns out that they <laughs> they just like pull back a collar and they're like, yeah. oh, we have to get more cats. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> 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 
Yeah. This is a show for children. <laughs> yep. And there's slight continuity with Mac and George because there's two segments. The first one is we see George right. building the cage. And then the next segment, Mac is inside the cage. Correct. <laughs> and again, Mac seems very content to- being totally cool George's pet. Yeah. Watching this, I said, oh, Mac seems very content being George's pet. And then immediately after I said that to myself, Mac just goes, you know, sometimes being a pet's not all bad. And I was like, okay, we're in agreement. <laughs> You got it. Is cool. George like hammering the cage like shut or something? Uh, originally, yeah. He's on top of it. But then later he comes back with like a hot dog and like opens yeah, the this, cage. Yeah, I think this is where he gives uh, him a hot dog. You see like the little taxidermy arms like put a hot dog onto a plate. Yeah, I think this was, he's like, oh boy, I thought he'd never fix me something to eat. Yeah. And George, the lizard, the iguana hands the man the hot dog, right? <laughs> and then Mac asks something like, oh, after I eat, can like we go to the park or something? Yeah, can we go for a walk, I think. And the iguana like nods. Oh dear. <laughs> It for real nods its head. They probably waited 20 minutes for that to happen. 80 takes. Take yeah. 80. Is this a trained iguana? Or is I mean, that just luck? Magic luck? Is there like a pressure point you can push on an iguana oh, to make the head if nod? There were, if there were, they would do it. Oh, dear. Where's PETA when you need them? <laughs> Seriously. But yeah, this to, whole episode, man. To George's credit, Max says that he fixed him his, his favorite, favorite food. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes being a pet's not all not bad. Not but bad. yeah, it's again, darkness. And speaking of darkness, can we talk about my father, the clown, in this episode? What happens in this one? All I oh, know, God. Yeah, okay. I remember now. All I really wrote about my father, the clown, in this episode is like, is this like... It's a good life. I always reference the episode of the Twilight Zone, It's a Good Life, which is the one where there's a psychic child named Anthony who is keeping all the people in the house oh, like yeah. captive what because it was good. Anthony. Yeah. It's like it's good it's good that you sent all the bad people <laughs> to the cornfield, Anthony. And oh, I'm trying right. to figure out if that is like the situation with this clown father and like the wife and Eddie. Cause like they seem like they are trapped there and it's kind of terrifying this one is a little bit disturbing because like this is the cereal on the head one right yeah which we discussed but right. we didn't mention that eddie is depressed because he doesn't have any friends at school and they all like skeeter and then mike is like well did you wear the big shoes i got you and the kid's like everyone laughed at me yeah mike's like well that's the point he seems like that is not what he wants out of he just wants like a normal but school look, that's a difference experience. between being laughed at and laughed with so the kid is depressed right yeah and then mike this i think this is the one where he's like well what's the magic words or something like that that's right this is and this then, is the reason that i thought about the it's a good life episode yeah because then for the first time ever the mom is like hey you know if he doesn't want to yeah he cuts her off and he's like what's the magic word mm. and you're like okay <laughs> yeah this is not a this is not a good situation it's a good thing that you did that mike it's good it's what good, you did was good, funny mike it's good that you've always bought your son <laughs> gifts that he clearly does not want and are consistently ridiculing him mm. that's that's good that seltzer bottle i'm glad you did refreshing, that refreshing mike yeah now mother and eddie don't want to do this yeah, he they... forces them and they have to say the words like it's oh. disturbing. And then they get cereal on their heads. And they just are both sitting there like, this is it? Yeah. This is it? <laughs> this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to Pastor's Greener. Yeah. I really like Auntie Nelda's uh, segments in this episode because uh, Auntie Nelda apparently has a pet dog. Was it like, it sounds something like Kojak, but what is it? All I know is that she says, pets, they're supposed to be companions, but all they do is cause commotion. Oh, and then she's, Nelda. as she's saying this, she's pouring like an impossible amount of dog food into a gigantic yeah. bowl that's like the size of the table that we're at <laughs> and then she brings it out to the porch where her giant like her Chewbacca-like dog quote, is quote dog yeah it's huge it's and, like and a, a Harry bipen. and the Henderson situation and then she says he's supposed to be man's best friend but like she's a woman wouldn't you know it I'm a woman 
I don't apply. <laughs> I mean, she's got a point there. She does a, have a point. The patriarchy. Um, but then, the so, barky. Oh, jeez. You know, I, <laughs> uh, actually, that kind of reminds me. So there's a bunch with Woody in this episode, too. And every time Woody laughs, like in a very like after making some sort of insulting Randy, the oh, puppet yeah, joke. <laughs> yeah, it's always Beethoven's fifth. What's that about? <laughs> I don't I don't understand. Now, it's just the most mocking sound. That yeah. Varney could think of. Is this the episode? Oh, it is. This is the episode where Ernest actually threatens Woody. And is like, um, if you don't treat people better, I'm going to take you out and put you on the tree and let you hang out with the woodpeckers. At some point, Ernest does say that, yeah. And then Woody is like, oh, all right, I'll be nicer. In fact, I have something to give you. And oh, Ernest, right. Ernest is like, what is it? And he's like, splinters. It's just rubbing his ass all over Ernest's knee. Yeah, it's a little bit bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> but then Woody somehow ends up with Auntie Nelda. Uh- do you think that Ernest gave Woody to Auntie Nelda? Well, so this actually answers the question I had earlier where I was trying to figure out Woody's sentience because he's kind of being puppeted by Ernest. But then once he's with Auntie Nelda, it's like, OK, Woody is no, alive. He's it's alive. Fine. With I got her. it now. But then Auntie Nelda has him and is like, you know what all dogs need? A good chew toy. And she just picks Pulls up him Woody. Up and Woody is like protesting. Yep. And it's kind of great. <laughs> he finally gets his uh, comeuppance for being kind of a jerk. There's actually also a uh, a point in this. I don't know if Ernest does this, but Woody ends up in a birdcage at some point. Yeah, right. maybe that's Ernest's ha- response to getting splinters. That's possible. But then Woody is like saying something like, you know, you can't do this to me. Uh, I'm not an animal. And I was like, is this an elephant man reference? Yes, it totally and is. I was like, oh, okay, Woody. It totally is. Woody, no, you don't have that struggle. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, just, <laughs> let's not overstate things. Ernest Ruse the day he made Woody in his woodshop. Yeah. I feel like he made him in woodshop when he was 17. It was not a very good year. No. So, so Ernest's pet store, pet center, pet cemetery. How does this all wrap up? I don't even remember. Oh, well. Oh, um, I actually like that Dr. Otto. I don't remember Dr. Dr. Otto in this episode builds an evil robot dog. Yeah, it kind of looks like canine. Yeah, he says that it always bites and it always messes inside the house and everything. He just builds like an inconvenient dog robot. A perfectly and it's inconvenient like, dog. It's like it has an evil part. <laughs> the Casio dog, just like his soundtrack. And he's delighted with it, of course. Oh, sure. Like, he's getting bitten by it, and he's like, yes! It works. Like, <laughs> Earl the Barber, in this episode, gives Ernest a deadbeat raccoon. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, because pets. But, but actually, this is the Ernest the Tongue segment that I like. Oh, yeah. Because we can talk about that. Ernest's tongue, he's like, I'm in the tongue. And you see, like, giant fingers come in and smear the tongue with, like, giant hairs. And he's like, oh, I hate it when Ernest cleans his cat or something like that. And then just cuts to Ernest and he's like licking his fingers and then like Rubbing stroking the cat. The cat. Yep. <laughs> like, so weird. Yep. It's the best. So uh hot 80 sweater comes back. Oh man, I forgot to talk about the best arm scene. The best arm scene. Happened in sports when Ernest is like doing like little push-ups off a tree, right? Maybe it's not the best arm scene, it's the best overall scene. Thanks guys, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome for rewinding to feed your drug addiction. Anyway, back to sweater. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I saying something? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, so the episode wraps up. Uh, Ernest oh, right. is still trying to teach the bird how to speak. This is time he tries to be a comedian. This is like my favorite attempt of his. He's wearing the bird costume. Yes. From the costumes, and he's got sunglasses on it, yeah. and a microphone, and he's just like, "Yeah, I just flew in from Vegas, and boy, are my wings tired." <laughs> hey, where are you from? What's your name? Are these too hard for you? (laughs) Come on, help me out. I'm winging it here. (laughs) 
Yeah. As he's doing that, the doorbell rings. The lady has come to pick up Kochi's. Right. I do like the take. She does just a little take when she sees that Ernest is in a bird costume. There's <laughs> just one second of her. She's like, uh. And yeah. then she continues. She's like, okay, uh, how was Kochi's? Did you guys have fun? Remember that Ernest has spent the better part of the day threatening this bird. <laughs> Correct. And Ernest is like, oh yeah, we had a we had a lot of fun, but uh, he we didn't get a chance to talk, but we had a lot of fun. Which is his way of saying, I failed. <laughs> yeah. But then, so she and Kochi's leave. Mm-hmm. And Ernest then, is sad. And then you hear Kochi's speaking through the door. Yeah, like, know what I mean? Know what I mean? Yeah. Does he say something else aside from know what I mean? I don't remember. She says, pay him. Give him the fair Oh, that's give right. That's right. Uh, yeah. Which I like to imagine that Ernest spent a lot of the time trying to make the birds say, give him the 50 right. <laughs> that <laughs> like, seems accurate. <laughs> I mean, that won the day. Yeah. Although... So Ernest has his fifty dollars or yeah. his hundred dollars. He's I counting guess. his money in Vern's kitchen, right? Because he doesn't have a house, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, I can he's finally, like, I have a hundred. I can finally buy Rover." And the thought bubble pops up again, <laughs> but now there's just a sign that says it's like sold. an empty case that says <laughs> yeah. sold. And it's like he's like, "Oh no, Rover's been sold!" And, and like looks at the camera like for a really long time. How do like, you know that? <laughs> Like, as an He's, audience member, you're like, what am I looking at? What script. am I? Yeah, exactly. Can Vern see these? Well, Vern is a ball of light, if we bear that <laughs> no, in mind. No, er, Vern has arms in this. Oh, that's right. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, He's like, Rover's been sold. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was just having, like, a premonition of you starting to talk about Vern's arms also. And I'm like, what <laughs> is this podcast? That's not going to happen. What is this podcast devolving into? <laughs> I have nothing to say about Vern's arms. Jeez. I mean, that's not an insult. No, Jim Vardy's arms were very special. <laughs> <laughs> But this is actually surprising. Vern does something nice for Ernest. Oh, yeah. Given the actions of Ernest in the last episode, it's wholly uncalled for. Yeah. Given the actions of Ernest always, it's wholly uncalled for. It's shocking. Yeah. Like, I don't... Vern just had, like, a a moment, some kind of epiphany. Yeah. Or he, like, I don't know. They say that his heart grew three sizes that day. He did. Because Ernest is really sad that Rover's been sold, but then he hears a little bark. Rover. Vern. Rover. Vern. Yeah. And then Vern just hands Ernest a squiggling little puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the cutest thing. And Ernest is ecstatic. He's elated. Yep. They have this little puppy. He's kissing it. He's like, thank you, thank you. You're such a good friend to get Rover for me. And I was like, he really is, Ernest. Yeah. Vern might have had an ulterior motive because then Vern goes in to grab the cash wad. That's Although, just compensation. Sure, that's Vern fair. Vern spent $100 on that dog. Yes, that's true. That's the worst part because Ernest is like, thank you so much. Listen, Vern. Anything you want from now on, anything, you just ask it out. And Vern just makes the, the universal sign for cash, like yep. rubbing the fingers together. And Ernest somehow grabs this giant wad of cash with one hand. While still holding the dog. While still holding the dog. That was impressive. He grabs all the cash. He used like, his arms well. And he says that they'll talk about it later and like carries his little puppy off. Yep, and that's how it wraps up. Ernest. Give I pictured, I pictured a, a square box around your face as you said <laughs> that just then. So we end disc one of uh, Hey Vern, it's Ernest with Ernest's acquiring of his puppy. And that's how it leads into... Uh, the movie's having a dog. He renamed him Rimshot later on, and he <laughs> and became changed, a different type of species. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's it for disc one. It's episodes one through seven. Thank you, Matt, for joining us on this episode. Thanks for having me. I hope I contributed something. <laughs> you <laughs> I, certainly did. I bubbled up with George stuff. So. Oh, yeah. George is I love me some one George. of the best things. I don't know if I could uh, consecutively watch the entire Ernest series, but like uh, the part that I would like to watch consecutively is My Father the Clown. Just like a super cut of <laughs> yeah, My Father like the Clown. Yeah, a super cut and just like 16 episodes watch, on DVD. Uh, Eddie's life just crumble (laughs) into the ground. What have we learned so far about this world and this this world? No oh, good. I mean, I think the show is fun overall. I appreciate a lot of the humor. Like Ernest seems very lovable and well-meaning. I still don't fully understand where his home is. Um, <laughs> I don't know that he has one in this. Well, Ernest in this is, as, as you said, very childlike. Yes, uh, because he's, that's he's the a, audience. He's a kid in this. Um, he's sort of. I don't think he has a family. I don't want to say too much about it because we do have a bunch yeah, more yeah. to talk about. But he is essentially pitching concepts instead of pitching products. It is very ad earnest. There's a lot of the ad gags recurring. Yeah, I already said this, but it's it's just like the kids' version of the ad world. It's like somebody turned the saturation up because it's even more bizarre and outlandish. Right. And now I, I've never seen disc two of this series. Oh, okay. So this is going to be interesting. There's a couple coming up that I, I like quite a bit. We can't say anything to sum it up until we see the rest of it. Uh, so we will see the rest of it in part two. Matt, yeah. what is your takeaway from this show? I don't know. I mean, it's just fun entertainment that I didn't understand as a kid, but I appreciate more as an adult. That's what's interesting. Like, I know it's made for children. It's like if this was on Netflix or something, you know, originally made for kids, like how well would it really do? Um, Well, what's curious about that to me is like, like, if you consider that Ernest in the ads was like, for all intents and purposes, for adults. Yeah. And then kids responded really well to it. And then they Wait, were like, no. oh, let's take this oh, let's man. take this ad- adult commercial pitch man that kids and make responded it into a, to. That kids responded to, make it into a kid's show. And adults respond. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. the it's the harmony of Ernest and Vern again. You know, you cannot control your audience, man. Yep. Well, I look forward to seeing more of Ernest and Vern's misadventures. I mm-hmm. am actually looking forward more, and I apologize, Ernest. I'm looking forward more to uh, George, George and, and Mac. Mac. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, interested to see them. how how their how their interaction continues, and also Ernest. Well, Ernest, yeah. and also I mean, Eddie's transformation into a serial killer. <laughs> And on that note, thank you everyone for listening to episode five. Is this five? This is five. Thank you for listening to episode five. Hey, Vern, it's Ernest, disc one. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. I hope you're prepared to draw an Ernest doodle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. I forgot about that. Yep. And I uh, I know it's going to be great. Can uh, I draw Mac and George? Sure. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, No, I'll do an Ernest one. Draw whatever you want, Matt, as long as it's Ernest. And Eddie as the Joker. (laughs) Okay, we got to get out of here. This is, we're only going to go into more madness. Okay, okay, So Matt's going to draw us a cast picture. Yeah. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all the social medias. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you like it. If you don't like it, you can give us a very low rating. If you want to give us a lower rating than that, you can complain to iTunes and see if there's a way for you to give a negative rating. Please like us. <laughs> like, I think we do a pretty good job, right, guys? Why is everyone leaving? <laughs> Ernest! <laughs> we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Be Bye. Bye.